Yo, what's up? I'm your host, Brandon Morris of the You Can Be More podcast. And on this week's episode, I'm so excited to introduce a young man who's made history as the first African-American head boys basketball coach at Racing Park High School. And that is no other than Trey Allen. Very excited to have him on the show to share his experience coaching at the travel basketball level as well as him being the new and first African-American coach for boys varsity basketball at Racine Park. Another Racine high school basketball coach we have is Coach Nick Bennett at Racine St. Catharines. And yes, that is the Bennett that has a very rich history in basketball not just in Wisconsin, but throughout the country. Yes, we're talking about Dick Bennett. We're talking about Tony Bennett. He just has national championship running all through their blood. So that's Coach Nick Bennett of Racing St. Catharines. We have a really good friend of mine. We used to battle back in our college days. We were rivals in college. It's an ex-UWM Panther as well as ex-NBA Summer League player, an ex-Euro League player, and that's my man, Joe Tucker. He's a new, new entrepreneur. He's handling his business in Milwaukee and really giving back to the game of basketball in a special way. And last but not least, my college basketball coach. He's an ex-Big Ten player, all-defensive player. He's the all-time leading assists and steals. Still to this day, I'm not even going to throw his age out there, but he is now the head coach at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, and that's Pat Baldwin Sr. Yes, he is the father of Pat Baldwin Jr., who's one of the best players in the country at the high school level right now. He's projected to be one of the top college basketball players uh, in the next few years coming. So, put on your seatbelts, let's rock and roll. This is a very loaded episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. Always remember, you can be Mo. This is the best damn podcast in the land. I'm your host, Brandon Morris. Welcome to the You Can Be Mo podcast. Tonight's show will be electric, I can guarantee you that. We got some coaches, ex-players, Division I level, Division Three national champions. We got all type of people on our roster tonight. So let's dive right into it. First up on our starting lineups roster tonight, we got my man, head coach. He used to be my college coach, tried to guard me back in the day. It didn't work out. My man, head coach, UWM. Mr. Pat Baldwin, yo, four-year player at Northwestern, all-time leading in steals. He reached a lot, let me tell you. All-time leader in assists. Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. That was only his senior year. He, find out how, he found out how to play defense. And then, of course, he played professionally over in Bosnia and Croatia. Pete Baldwin, welcome to the show. How you feeling? Feel good. Appreciate uh, you having me on, Bimo. Yes. As we used to call you popcorn. Yes, sir. <laughs> we popping the popcorn ASAP. That's my man, Pat Baldwin. Next up, we got my man, 
I used to call him the big man in the middle, Mr. Double Double. I don't even know if he averaged a double double, but I, that's what I called him when we played in college. We went to rival schools. The big fella, Mr. Number 13, Mr. Joe Tucker, played at UWM for the Panthers. Uh, he went to the he took the team to the school's first Sweet 16. That was back in 2004, 2005. Uh, and my, 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 my trivia guru guy said that he briefly played with the Harlem Globe Charters, played a few years overseas, and we got some good trivia uh, for Joe Tucker. He even did his NBA, NBA Summer League team. Um, so welcome, Joe Tucker. Yes, sir. That's my man, Joe Tucker. Talk about our rivalry and how I win. I'm a, <laughs> uh oh. See, that's what the podcast is for. I love it. He said he's going to spare me. Okay. I love it. Next up, we got my man, head coach, Racine St. Catharines. This dude got, I mean, it's hard to believe. They say down here, three seasons, three seasons uh, as an assistant coach at UW Whitewater before being the head coach at, at St. Cats. Um, and then, how many national championships you got? One, two, three, four? Where are your rings at, man? How many national championships you got, Nick? I've, I've been a part of three. Three national championships. I think he's the first one on the podcast this year. In the last 15 weeks, they got three national championships, let alone even one championship. Uh, yeah. So you probably are our most accomplished player that uh, has joined the podcast. So shout out to head coach from Racine St. Catharines, Nick Bennett. What it do, Nick? How you feeling, man? Appreciate you having me, coach. I I was gonna play. I played for my father in college, so I always tell people my mother was sleeping with the head coach. So I was gonna get playing time no matter what. And, uh, <laughs> I was fortunate to win championships because I had some really good teammates, though. So. Excellent, excellent. Welcome aboard, my man. Appreciate it. And this is one of one of my one of the coolest coaches on the sideline. I say he got a he got a you know he got to switch up his go around. But this coach right here is the 2013 AAU national champ. He's coached all conference players, all state players. He's got players playing at the next level. But one of his most accomplished accolades is that he married the right lady. He married a Hall of Famer. Shout out to head coach, Racine Park, Trey Allen. What's good, Trey? What's up, man? Blessed to be here, man. You know what I'm saying? Just excited to be here with a great group of fellas, man. And hey, uh, the Hall of Famer story real quick, if y'all don't mind me talking about it. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> My wife, man, she don't get a lot of credit for what she do, but you know, uh, we've been together for 17 years, high school, College, she went and played uh, at UW Waukesha. She's an all-time leading rebounder there, uh, second in steals and third in assists. So uh, she got inducted into the Hall of Fame probably about 2000. I want to say it was 12. So she do a lot of stuff from behind the scenes, man. And, you know, she she's a basketball guru as well. Wow, that's huge. That's huge. Shout out to Trey Allen and his wife. Mrs. Allen, the real MVP of that family. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and that's our starters for tonight. Uh, very well accomplished starters uh, as players and as coaches. Now, for the bench players. The bench players, they're always here. They always hold it down anytime the starters uh, can't hold it down. These bench players are picking up the slack. So shout out to head coach from Racine Prairie, my man, Jason Atanasoth. Shout out to Coach Corey, assistant coach from St. Norbert College. The assistant coach, girls varsity basketball with Stosha Central. Coach Johnny Atkins and head coach at Kenosha Bradford, 30 years in the game. My man, Coach Greg Leach. All right, let's get right into it. So I got a question right off the bat uh, for my man, Joel Tucker. Uh, Joel, what was it like for you growing up in Milwaukee you guys weren't the Nicolay that we see now winning state championships, but growing up in Milwaukee and then playing for UWM, what was that like? How did the city receive that? I mean, I was talking to Coach Walwin just the other day, and it's like, uh, you know, during our time at UWM, we really set the city of Milwaukee on fire, and uh, the city really jumped on our back, man. And I tell a quick story. It's like uh, when I got back to UWM, but during my red shirt year, uh, myself and Adrian Tiger, and Bruce Pearl went down to the uh, U.S. Cellular Arena, now the Panther Arena. And I didn't know the history behind the building, would it be in the Mecca, so on and so forth, where the Bucks won a championship in 71, I believe. So we got out to the arena at the time. We getting about maybe 3,000, maybe 3,500 fans at the Kalachi Center, which is the arena right on campus. But I think the, the capacity is probably right around 5,000. 5, so during the time, man, uh, the guys before I came were pretty good. Clay Tucker, Ronnie Jones, Chase and Frederick, those guys are pretty good. They're getting about 3,500 fans, and he took us down there. We sat in an empty arena, us three, and he told us, uh, we're going to sell this building now. I look at Coach like, come on, Coach, man. You know, we better than that. Me and you got a good relationship. You know, I'm here already. You don't got to sell me no dreams. Like, it's over with. I'm here. So, man, I just – I never forget, and I still get chills on my back when I – you know, when I when I think about it. But uh, we sold out a game uh, before the Sweet 16. I think it was either the conference championship – or the game before that. I don't know if Brandon know much about them conference championships in the in the horizon, but we sold the game out, uh, maybe uh, either the semis or the championship. And we came out, they announced it, you know, US Cellular Arena sold out 10,700, whatever, whatever the number was. And it was just amazing to see the support and uh, the fanfare that we got, man. The city was phenomenal. Like I said, the city was on fire. Obviously UWM has a, a you know, a huge, not even a fan base, but a huge alumni. So we really tapped into that, man. And obviously, everybody loves an underdog. We were underdogs that year. Uh, we're able to get some victories. But, you know, again, from being from Milwaukee, being a hometown hero, I tell the guys, especially when I talk to recruits these days, I tell them it's, it's definitely some advantage just to being a hometown hero. Um, I still talk to people. I'm 37, man. So I'm, you know, I'm 15 years removed from, from the Sweet 16 or 15 years removed from the time we left school. I, I graduated in 06. So uh, looking at 14 years now, I'm still having conversations daily about the Sweet 16, and I tell people, really, you know, it's always fun to talk to fans and do that type of thing, but it's real fun when you go to the bank or you go and do some business and somebody want to talk to you about it, and it kind of opens up some doors, and you can kind of get some some common ground with people. So so that goes a long way, and that's what I try to tell the young men because, you know, sometimes guys go to college and say you go to Illinois or you go to Minnesota or you go to something like that. You build all these, you know, you build all these relationships, and then you go back home, and you can't use those relationships to, you know, 
foster any business or do anything like that. So uh, it's definitely some advantages, but obviously, you know, being in the city of Milwaukee, it's some disadvantages as well. So it's pros and cons and it's not for everybody, but if you're somebody that can handle it. And I, and I do tell the kids, anyone who comes here from the city, Telling you can't bring the block down to the school, man. You know, you got to be able to separate it. That's, that's, that's very, very important. And I'm not saying you don't got to be cool with your homeboys who you came up with. But, you know, if your homeboy's not in college, sometimes they don't have no business on a college campus. So it, it's a kind of lot that goes into it. But definitely huge being a hometown hero. Uh, just huge, you know, putting the city on my back and, uh, you know, just really represent the city. You know, Milwaukee is a blue-collar town, man. Hard workers, we're grinders, and that's what our team was. So, um, man, just huge, huge. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Uh, Coach Corey, you got a question for one of the coaches? This one's to my boy Nick. Um, now, obviously, me and Nick go way back, a long, long time ago. But uh, so, describe to me. You know, you've made the jump as a college basketball player to coaching Division One, to Division Three, to high school. And, and back and forth. Tell me some of the things that's carried with you from playing with your dad to playing, you know, coaching at some of the top levels and then playing, coaching in the national championship game. Tell me some of the values that you picked up along the way that kind of shaped who you are as a coach today. Uh, I go back to my dad's always told me and um, it's kind of resonated with other coaches that I've told. It, if you're good, if you're in high school, if you're in division three, division two, women's, if you're a pro, if you're playing at the highest level of college basketball, um, my dad always used to tell our teams, greatness knows no level. If you wanna be great, be great where you are. Make the most of the seat that you're sitting in or the court that you're playing on right now. Um, I know it's such a thing to always look to the future. So many kids today are just worried in high school are just worried about, well, what colleges are going to look at me? So many kids in college are just worried about, well, am I going to have a chance to play pro ball? Um, probably the best thing that our teams did when we played back in the day is just we took advantage of the opportunities that were presented to us. And as a Division three player, even though we were pretty good, you know, we're, we're stopping at Quick Trip and giving five bucks, and that was our meal after game. You know, we're not living the high life. We're... we're, we're we're paying our way to go to school, but at the same times we just said, let's make the most of this. Let's do it together. And uh, let's try to be great. There's nothing given you never know how good you're going to be. You just want to go out there and give it your best and live with it. But uh, at the same time, we just really said, um, let's be great. If we can be great today, let's try to be even a little bit better tomorrow. And hopefully that'll resonate through our careers. And uh, I've hopefully tried to, leave that lesson to our guys today in high school, even though they're always looking to, well, I want to go to college. I want to play college. Be great now. Try to be great in high school. Try to be have a great practice. And then that'll lead to better things down the road. So just try to teach them simple lessons like that, and hopefully it'll carry them on in the future. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks for that, Coach. Uh, I, got a coach I got a question for um, uh, Coach Trey Allen. Um, Trey, how has your transition been uh, from coaching these uh, very talented travel basketball teams um, to now coaching a high school varsity basketball team as the head coach? Um, what has that transition been like for you? Uh, I say it's kind of an easy transition in a way. Uh, one is just kind of 
defines who I am. You know, I don't let a lot of things rattle me or whatnot, if you say so. So going from being really successful and then transferred to the high school level, my AAU teams always played on like the top circuit. So it was always very competitive. Uh, high school sports, same thing. At varsity level was very competitive. A lot of similar things. Um, I stay composed a lot of the time. Um, coming into this season, I knew what I was getting. I knew what I was getting myself into. So that was something that kind of helped me out along the way. Um, like I said, man, just me staying composed all the time, really, it helped my transition. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't really bad for me. Um, I told the kids, play hard. I expected, I ain't going to say I expected to lose, but I didn't expect a great season from the guys. So, you know, going into having those expectations, knowing what you have um, and trying to build off of it, it made my transition pretty easy. Appreciate that. Um, hey, Brandon. Yeah, go ahead. Can I just add something? I mean, I played Trey three times, and I think probably the we won all three, but I think the difference was maybe six, seven points. Um, he handled it just fine. I mean, I would imagine that it was pretty seamless. And I was going to ask him a question. Um, <clears throat> making that transition and coming into Park at a time where a lot of that elite talent had already graduated and you didn't know what you had coming in, I was so impressed with the way um, – you got your kids to play night in and night out in the SEC. You were always in every game. Um, is there anything that you can tell us in terms of what you did in order to, you know, to keep the kids interested, but keep them competing night in and night out? Sorry, there's a fly <clears throat> going by my eye here. But, uh, again, I was just impressed. Anything that you could uh, leave us with in terms of how you got that done? Honestly, man, we just talked a lot about trust and playing hard and not worrying about the outcomes. Uh, I told them, like, wins or loss, wins or losses, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to learn something. So we got the kids just to play hard every single day, believe in the coaching staff, believe in each other. And like I said, man, we told them, man, if we win the game, great. If we lose, you know what I'm saying, we know what we need to work on. So those guys really start buying in to what we talked about halfway through the season, where it was like, okay, we're right there. Like you said, we're right there in every game. If we just do this thing, we could win the game. And granted, we didn't win a lot of games, but the guys were happy with the way we played. So it was just keeping them, keeping the guys confident, telling them, like, you know, it's going to get better, it's going to get better. You know, we instead, uh, we talked to them about that every single day of practice. Like, hey, we're going to get that win, we're going to get that win, or hey, we're going to get better, we're getting better. So it was just keeping instilling that in the guys every day. Hey, you did a great job last, last year. I just wanted to compliment you. Appreciate it. Uh, Coach Atanasov, you got a question for Coach Ball? Yeah, I do. Coach, um, you put in your time as an assistant at, at a couple schools. I'm curious now, after a few years at UW-Milwaukee, what, what have you found to be uh, most challenging about running your own program? Um, and perhaps also what maybe you miss about being an assistant? You know, I think um, some, some great questions that, that you're asking there. I think the, the greatest thing um, that's, or the most challenging thing is the landscape that we're in right now. Um, you know, pretty soon there's going to be opportunities for guys to, to transfer at free will, free will without any penalty. Um, so that's that's the, the greatest challenge of all. Um, you know, I remember, and a lot of you guys can probably remember too, just when you first started out um, at your respective colleges, that you know, transferring was almost taboo a little bit. You know, what would they think of me? Um, I'm quitting, I'm leaving, uh, you know, a team that, um, these are my brothers, you know, these are my guys that I'm, I'm going to war with. And, you know, right now, you know, it, it's, 
you know, the challenge of keeping, you know, keeping guys. And if you get a freshman or a sophomore that's really good at our level, you know, the problem is, is they think that, all right, now this is a, a recipe or an opportunity for me to, 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 you know, to test my skills at, at a higher level. You know, when I first got the job, uh, you know, we had some, we had some good kids, uh, you know, didn't win as much, but, but, um, you know, we, we were able to go from eight wins to 16 wins and, and, and we did it with, uh, some guys that would have been able to come back, uh, the next year. But, uh, you know, my leading score, uh, ended up, you know, he ended up going to, you know, a high major, um, our second leading score went to a high major, um, and our third leading score, uh, went to a high major. So, wow. you know, so that's the challenge. Uh, if you, if you get good, um, especially if they're young, um, you know, then, then you got to worry about somebody sifting them out of your program. Um, or maybe it's a parent, maybe it's the kid himself that, that just wants to, to test the, the market. And, you know, we all know the, the old adage is, you know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. And, and certainly that, that held true for those guys who, who ended up leaving that. Um, unfortunately, they didn't, they didn't get the playing time they thought they would. Um, and maybe it wasn't as cracked up, you know, all cracked up it, that they thought it would be, but that's the challenge. Um, and then the things as, as an assistant coach that I miss, um, you know, sometimes when you're, when you're a head coach and, and you guys probably all know it is as a head coach, you're sometimes there's those lonely days, you know, where you feel like you're alone in your thoughts. You feel like you're the only one that, that may be, you know, putting in that, that time or thinking about, um, you know, those little things and those details that, that really matter. That's not true, but that's what you think. Um, as an assistant coach, uh, you know, and I've been at the division one level for 19 years as, or 17 years as an assistant coach, you know, the thing that you always had is you had two others, you know, you know, you had two others right next to you that you hung out with, that you, you know, that you complained about a kid with, or you talked about recruiting with all of those things. So, there was that that bond that you had with those other assistant coaches um, that you know was you know that you sometimes miss as um, you know once you step into our roles as head coaches, but but you remember those days as as assistant coaches. And then you know the other side too is um, as an assistant coach, you there are so many days that you could the, the you know. And, uh, you know, the, the head coach obviously has his job and he has to do it. You want that relationship with your players. But as an assistant coach, yeah, you, you have those days where you can pick those days where you're maybe getting on somebody just to, you know, raise their level of play. Uh, but the other side of that, too, is, you know, you can, you know, those those players probably call you call you more as an assistant than they do as a head coach, than they would as a head coach. And that's what I, that's what I love the most. Um, you know, I remember our days with, and my days with BMO, um, you know, just from, you know, I was with him for, for two years or what, what was it? One year, one year, that I, yeah, one year. And, and I mean, I, I grew so close to, to him and we were racing to see who would get into the gym first. Um, you know, just that, you know, that, that thing that you have with, with, uh, from an assistant coach player relationship, it, it's, it's really special. Thanks, Coach. For, I'm, I'm for the note. record, Jason, sorry, he never beat me to the gym. <laughs> on, a, on a side note, Kaleem Taylor's ended our season the last two years, so I'm glad he's with you now. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that he's with us as well. You know, we, we want to grow inside out you know, as far as recruiting and, and get Milwaukee and Wisconsin area kids into our program. And, and we feel like there's still some upside uh, left in him. And, and uh, you know, we're, we're extremely happy that, that he's on board. I think he has an IQ. I think he knows how to play. And it's just going to be, um, you know, learning how to play the right way and playing hard all the time. That's going to be the, the biggest thing that, that we try to get out of him. But he's a, you know, I think he's turning that corner with maturity. And I think that we have a you know, good staff that, that can help him get to that point. Excellent. All right, fellas, we're going to jump into the uh, first segment. Uh, we always try to start the questions off, uh, allowing uh, the bench players to ask the starters just some open questions. So we're going to jump right into the first segment. With the first segment, we have a, now we have an, a mod green rule where the answers have to be 60 seconds or less. Um, previous show when Amon Green was on, he was speaking for about three to four minutes on each question. So we have the Amon Green rule line. You have to have it about 60 seconds or less. Uh, you get past 90 seconds, then you got to pay the $100 the $100 sponsorship. So uh, we're going to go with the first question, and we're going from youngest uh, to oldest to answer those questions. Uh, so I, I think, Trey Allen, you're youngest, and I think uh, uh, we're going to go Trey Allen, Nick, Joa, and then Pat. Even though I think Nick, you might be older than uh, Joe. I'm older than Joe, but I appreciate that, Bimo. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we're gonna go Trey Allen, Joe, Nick, and then uh, Patrick, and then PB. You'll start it up on the next question, and we'll go back the other way. So the first question uh, is coming to you, uh, Coach Allen. What has changed about the game of basketball since your days of playing? Uh, I'm saying my experience uh, and what I've noticed from my kids is just the actual IQ and knowledge of the game. I think uh, when I played, I think we understood a lot more of the things that we're doing, why we're doing the reasons behind everything. And, you know, the kids I've been coaching lately, just the IQ has been real bad. So I would say that just on my behalf, what I experienced, the IQ is kind of a lot different. Uh, athleticism, um, you know, these kids, now they have all these personal trainers and stuff, you know, huddle film. I didn't have all that stuff back when I was playing. So I think those things right now is really changing the game for a lot of these kids. Interesting. Uh, so, Joe, uh, you, you guys are about the same age. Um, uh, and Trey Allen uh, didn't play in the Sweet 16 like you did, neither did I. Um, so I just want to get that out the way before you throw that in there. What has changed about the game since you since you last played? Obviously, you played professional as well. So what has changed? Man, I would say uh, even though we kind of played helter skelter, we got up and down a lot. And uh, my teammate Ed McCants, man, he uh, he practiced the pull up transition, uh, three point shot. But now it's just so prevalent. Obviously, the Steph Curry effect has just completely changed the game. And instead of the young kids wanting to dunk the ball and do all type of crazy dunks, guys want to shoot from half court. Guys want to shoot from 30 feet, 35 feet. So I would say the pace of that, you know, and actually we played small ball at UWM too. I played a lot of four. Um, so, you know, small ball, I would say just dominating the game. Uh, I would say now it's positionless, man, and it would have helped me a ton because now it doesn't matter what size you are. If you can play, you can play, you can go to the next level. So I would say positionless basketball, 
Uh, I definitely say the way they fire the tray. I mean, it's, I know it's some guys in this chat who would have just loved the way the game is played. It's like I play as an old man. When I go to UWM now, I, I try not to go inside the three-point line. So, uh, you know, I, I would say the, the pace at which the game is played and the three-point shots for sure. Okay. So, Nick, same question to you. Uh, three national championships. I, I, I didn't get to see uh, Stevens Point play, but what has changed since you, uh, you last played the game? Yeah, I'll back off of Joe a little bit. I'll go like uh, on-court stuff and then kind of off-court. One, the, the three-point line has, has changed. Obviously, it was around, but, I mean, you, you see college teams, they'll fire 30, 40 threes in a game now. Uh, I mean, that was unheard of in my time. If you got it into the teams, that was you're considered gunning it. So uh, the three-point line is just is, is so used right now. And uh, I always tell our kids it's like a dirty word to tell a kid to go post up. Uh, if you tell a kid to go into the block and take advantage of the size, they look at you like, how dare you? I, I'm a perimeter player. So those are kind of the conceptual things on the court. And then off the court, the biggest thing that I think has really changed, it was around, but the influence of AAU. Um, it really changes how kids, I mean, I have AAU coaches that have called me saying I'm not using their kids right. Uh, I've had things that I, I'm going, geez, is this how it's supposed to be? So. The influence of AAU and how it's kind of infiltrated the high school game a little bit is probably the, the off the court stuff that I think has really changed. Thanks for that, Coach Ben. Uh, uh, and, and then one other rule that we have, we don't even use on, on the podcast, we don't like to use the word AAU. We like to use the words travel, basketball, because that's what it really is. I think AAU, AAU has got so much credit for what they don't even represent. They're just like the insurance people. Anyways. Uh, I like A, it gives the kids another platform. I'm not knocking it, but it's so, it's so heavy out there right now as well. Travel basketball, grassroots. I apologize, BMO. Your podcast. <laughs> now the question is, do the, do the kids even know what AAU means anymore? What, what it stands for? Probably not. It's not, it ain't no amateur athletic union no more. I tell you that. <laughs> nope. Uh, so, uh, Coach Baldwin, um, you're 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 older than a lot of the players on here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still getting game now. <laughs> so, what what has changed since you last played the game? Can, can, can you no. throw, can you throw out the year two? You know, my my last year playing was was 2001. So that was my last year playing. But I'll I'll go back to when I started. You know, what's changed so much are our shorts, you know, the, the high socks. The You know, when I first came in the game, I was wearing champions, you know, my freshman year. And we, we then moved to to the Reebok pump, you know. So the gear has changed, definitely. Um, I, I think everybody's gear uh, centered. Uh, the other thing I think that has really changed is toughness. Um, you know, I think there's I think there's still some kids that, that have some toughness in, in a different form. But there was, in my opinion, you know, there's a different level of toughness that, um, that you know, probably was played in, in our day. And, and I'll go along with Nick as well that, you know, that three-point line has really changed the game. It's, it's changing, you know, the way you have to defend it um, because there's so many big kids now that uh, can step out and shoot. Uh, so the floor is more spread. The, the opportunities, uh, there's, you know, I think there are a lot of teams that uh, you know looking at more shots. Um, the more shots they can get up per game, the better. 
um, and then the way that you look at stats. I mean, some of those things have really changed the game. Thanks for that, Coach Baldwin. We're going to come right back to you with question number two. Uh, what's most misunderstood about what it takes to play at the next level? And obviously, you're coaching uh, Division I uh, athletes. So what's most misunderstood about what it takes to, to get to the next level? Yeah, I think what's most misunderstood, and there's, I think there's a couple of things, but, but one of them is we always have, um, you know, we always take, talk about what winning looks like. You know, I think what, what's misunderstood is what that looks like. And, and some, you know, when they're talking about winning, how much can I, how many points can I score? Um, or when am I, how am I going to be used to get the ball? Um, I think there's some other there's some other things that that you can do in order to to help your team win, and I is misunderstood. Um, and you know we we showed in one film clip we, we beat Green Bay uh, this past year at their place, and it was it was a pretty good game. And one of the highlights that I showed that was the the difference in the game was the kid taking a charge in the game. Uh, that was the play of the game. And uh, so that's so that's what I talk about. You know, I think the other thing uh, as far as playing at the next level is not everybody's going to be a pro, um, and everybody thinks that they are. Um, but the the other side of that too is I want you to work like you are going to be a pro, um, because I think that if you work towards that, if you have that mindset uh, that you'll that you'll work hard, that you'll be coachable. Um, you know, if that's a goal that you have as well. Thanks for that, Coach Baller. Uh, Coach Bennett, what's most misunderstood about what it takes to play at the next level? You're coaching high school athletes. Obviously, you have some D1 potentials. So what's most misunderstood? I think that it comes down to mindset. Um, I think if we all look back in our past from guys that we played with, there's, there's some guys that you would say, man, he was so talented. I can't believe he didn't play at the next level, whether it be college or pro. But it's, you got to have that mindset. You have to understand uh, what it kind of takes on the mental side of it. It's not just all about are you athletic, do you have skill. You have to understand what it really takes to be a college athlete. And it's a lot. It's, it's a job. It, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time. And it takes a lot of effort. Um, so I always talk about the mindset. Um, the second thing was funny. I was just talking with my cousin Tony at Virginia. And he said, honestly, one of the reasons he, he feels he passes up on sometimes what would be considered really good recruits. Sometimes he said, I don't know if the kid's really competitive enough. Um, and he's really serious about that. He goes, I don't know. He's always said, losing shouldn't feel like death. It's nothing like that. I'm not saying every time you lose, you should feel like it's the worst thing in the world, but it should matter. And uh, again, I think a lot of times now, and to, to kind of piggyback off what I've tr said before with travel ball, these kids play five games in a day and I sometimes ask our kids, well, what, how'd you guys do? What was your record? I don't know. They don't even know what their record is. They don't even know how the games were playing out. So just having that mindset, that competitive instinct, I really think is uh, is a big thing making it to the next level. Thanks for that, Coach Bennett. Uh, Joe Tucker, I think you had the best of both worlds. You get to kind of uh, take a look at the, the Division One practices, being an alumni of UWM. Uh, you get to go into, uh, I'm assuming, some high school uh, practices. What's most misunderstood? What's the conversations that you may hear in the barbershop uh, with you being, you know, playing at Division One level, playing in a tournament, Sweet 16, 
playing a professional, what's most misunderstood? I mean, for one, uh, man, in the basketball community, everybody wants to be a pro. And everybody in this, you know, everybody on this panel knows the percentages of guys that actually become pros. So the numbers aren't in your favor, and I never try to crush anybody's dream. But uh, I would say the thing about, uh, and I'll tell you a quick story, is uh, I did play for Harlem Globetrotters right after I graduated uh, college. My agent put me on with the competitive Harlem Globetrotter team. And it was my first experience being paid to play basketball. And uh, I got into the second second day of practice. Uh, you know, guys just warming up. And it was a guy on the team. And he really, you know, he's warming up. He's shooting threes. And he didn't miss shots. Like, he just did not miss shots. 10 for 10, 10 for 10. And I, I was amazed. I'm like, man, you, you know, you don't even, you haven't missed a shot. He like, JT, if I don't make shots, I don't get paid. And that was like my aha moment. Like, I never, it just kind of dawned on me. Like, man, you know, as a pro, you are professional. Like, and if you are not doing your job, you will be fired. So that was a, you know, that was an awakening moment for me. And then also, you know, to be a pro, man, I try to tell the kids, uh, and when you see these guys in the NBA and you see these guys at the college level doing all these crazy turnarounds, step through, up and under, all type of moves, it's not something that they just made up at the moment. It's something that they've worked on over and over and over and over. And the difference between guys that are pros and guys that just play basketball is how much you work on your craft. You got to work on your craft. If you want to be a pro, man, you got to be, you know, you got to outwork your competition. And again, I'm sure everybody in this chat is going to say the same thing. You go back to, you kind of hear yourself regurgitating things coaches told you years and years ago. And it's like, you must outwork your competition. Being a pro is not a three day a week job. You can't be a pro on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then party Saturday and Sunday and think you're going to be a pro. <laughs> Being a pro is seven days a week. Cause that's what, you know, that's what your peers are doing. So I would say working on your craft is the biggest thing about becoming a pro working on your game and then not only working on your game, not taking fall away threes from, from 35 feet. I'm talking about working on real game shots, shots that you know you're going to get at the next level and a coach that doesn't know you is going to allow you to take. So yeah, I, I would say working on your craft, man, that, that's the biggest one for me. Appreciate that, Joe Tucker. Uh, Trey Allen, you've coached players that that had unlimited talent, players that are playing at the Division One level, uh, and now that you're a head high school varsity basketball coach, what's most misunderstood about what it takes to play at the next level? Well, it's kind of ironic that uh, this question come up because uh, two weeks ago I had two players, former players, come talk to me, and they were saying, like, hey, coach, man, you were lying when you said, like, the next level is more physical. Or, you know, hey, man, the practice, the pace is so much faster. Or, uh, coach, man, why is such and such going to JUCO? You know what I'm saying? He should be playing D1. So, you know, I tell the kids all the time, everyone isn't D1. Everyone isn't D2. It's a level for certain guys. So a lot of guys go in thinking that everyone is D1. Everyone's going pro. It's not true. It doesn't work out like that. Um, another thing we talk about is, uh, I think Coach Baldwin talked about his roles. A lot of kids come back and like, man, I was a scorer in high school and this and that, but now the college coach wants me to do this and do that. So a lot of kids don't really understand. And when you get to that next level, you might not be the man getting all the points. You might have to take on a different role. And a lot of kids really don't understand that when you tell them that. So I would say physicality, uh, the pace of practice, how hard the, the intensity of practices, um, accepting new roles. Uh, everyone's not D1. You have to understand, get in where you fit in. Uh, it's a level for everyone out there, but everyone's not D1 and everyone won't be pro. And then just the commitment, too. Uh, a lot of guys always say, uh, man, coach, when you didn't let us off for Christmas break and this and that, you know, hey, this is a full-time commitment. You go play at the next level. You have to be there. The coaches expect you there. They expect you there on time. 
It's not none of this high school stuff. It's not none of this travel ball stuff where you can just call them, hey, I can't make it, or I got family, this and that. Like, hey, it's a commitment, and you have to be there. And I don't think a lot of guys really understand that. Thanks for that, Coach Allen. Uh, so right back at you, uh, last question for the first segment. What new effective approach will you take because of COVID-19? You got high school players. You're running three different teams. Uh, what new approach will you take because of COVID-19? Man, you know, honestly, I probably should be doing this. But, <laughs> man, because we talk a little bit about, you know what I'm saying, just having detailed plans and stuff. Uh, we haven't really met. But we talked about, you know, just getting to practices. When we get okay, at least for summer workouts and stuff, or when the season actually starts, you know, just breaking everything down in small groups, uh, small different stations. Um, I guess detail planning everything to the T. Um, really haven't thought about it much. I definitely know I know it's going to be different. So something I probably need to get on top of. But for now, we really just talked about, you know, saying many stations, uh, keeping the kids healthy. Uh, staying on top of them about, you know what I'm saying, like uh, someone mentioned earlier, not going out, partying, not being a large group, just trying to stay safe. Thanks for that, Coach Allen. Uh, coming right back to you, Coach Tucker. What do you think players or coaches, uh, what should be a new effective approach because of uh, COVID-19? I mean, obviously, you, you can't get these one-on-one -on -one and in-person things. So it, it's what we're doing now, man. I, I look at Joe Chapman, and I look at some of these guys that work guys out and I, guys that I respect in the city. And, man, they doing workouts on Zoom. So, I mean, the thing about, and again, I, I just refer to everybody on the panel. Everybody has a basketball background, is coaching and, and doing their thing in, in basketball. It's just you, you can't make excuses, man, and this is, this is no different. Obviously, this is COVID. This is something we've never seen before. But at the same time, man, you just got to make it happen. You can't get to college. You know, we don't know when college basketball is going to start. But Coach Baldwin got kids coming in. He He's not going to take no excuses of, oh, it was COVID. I couldn't get in the gym. It's just like anything else in this world. If you really want it, man, you got to get to it. You got to hit the park. You got to hit the park alone. You got to set them cones up on the concrete. You know, the same way I came up. I came up playing at the park. That's how we grinded. That's how we got it in. So it's, it's always some options. But again, man, I, I'm seeing people, I would say that the biggest thing I've seen is I'm seeing people do the Zoom workouts and they got nine people on the call, 10 people on the call, and they all in units and they doing their workouts. So, I mean, I, I think it's huge, man. I think, you know, a lot of things we do face-to-face, -face, I don't even think it's necessarily necessary just in life in general. I think the COVID, you know, this this coronavirus is going to change how we operate and a lot of things that stick around even after it's passed. So I, I'm really liking seeing the young guys and the young kids, the young ladies and men and men and women, you know, working out on the Zoom and just, just, just leaving no excuses, just getting it done. Hey, Joey, you mentioned getting it done at a, at a park. What's one park in Milwaukee? I've seen Coach Baldwin be at a couple parks looking at some players. What What's one park that you would name in Milwaukee where the best pl the best playground ball is at? I mean, if, you, if you're from the city, if you're from the mill, as we call it, if you're from the city, man, you know it's Lincoln Park, man. Lincoln Park is right up there on Green Bay. And, uh, you know, if you're from the city, that's a park. And I'm sure Racine and every place, you know, everybody in this chat has a, has a certain park. But Lincoln Park for us was, you know, it was like the Holy Grail. Uh, they had a league called Warner back in the day. And if you didn't get no Warner stripes, I mean, if you didn't play Warner, I'm not sure you was from the city. So Lincoln Park is definitely that place for us in Milwaukee. Excellent. Shout out to Lincoln Park in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And shout out to uh, Lincoln Park in Kenosha, Wisconsin. It goes down uh in kenosha at lincoln park 
um, uh, Coach Bennett, St. Cats, you got some Division One potentials. How are you? How are you gonna? Uh, what What are new effective ways and approaches that you'll take because of COVID nineteen? Yeah, I, I don't mean to sound too politically correct, but obviously we do have to follow state guidelines and everything. Uh, I talked to our AD this morning. He's probably sick of me calling him every other day. Can we get in? Can we, we, we have still not been able to open up our gym at all. Um, he keeps saying, I think next week, I think next week. And I'm sure he can't stand it when he sees me calling or texting him right now because he knows what I'm going to pester him about. Um, but yeah, to piggyback off of what Joe said, I, our guys keep asking me, are you going to open up the gym? I kept saying, we can't, it, literally we can't run it by state guidelines. I keep saying, but I bet you there's some parks open as you guys got a buddy or somewhere. And like Joe said, if there's a will, there's a way, if, if you want it bad enough, you can find a way to go get better. You can strength train, you can condition, you can work on your ball handling, you can do something to improve if you this as an excuse if you want to say covid made me a worse basketball player so be it and you're going to be a step behind the ones that found a way so we just keep telling our guys hey we'll open up the gym hopefully when we can we don't have prairie money we can't just be opening the gym at all times like jason does like exactly i heard they've been running 50 kid camps already he's he's had everybody in in the city we don't have that kind of stuff but uh for us, for us poor lonely Catholics over here, we, we, we're just trying to get by and telling our kids to, to, to find a way and get better. So I, I, I'm definitely with you on that one, Coach Bennett. We don't have Racine Prairie money. Uh, uh, Coach Baldwin, <laughs> you obviously, being a head coach, Division One level, you got players from all different parts of Wisconsin and, and out of the state. What are new effective ways and, and approach will you take because of COVID-19? Well, um, I owe a hundred dollars, but, uh, you know, I think that, uh, <laughs> you know, I think the, the approach that, that I would take and we, we've talked about that with our guys is, oh it was, you know, similar to what Joe was talking about. You have to find some guys that, um, when we can't be with them, when we can't work them out, then, you know, they have to find those parts. They have to, you know, find those uh, individual instructors, you know, that can that can help them with their games. I, I know every single one of our guys uh, had those had personal guys that they they went to um, and uh, they had their whether it was a gym, whether it was outside and, and they were able to, to get some work in. Um, hopefully that that pays dividends for them, you know, but that's that has to be a new approach. And, and for me, you know, the other side that I really loved about um, outside of the virus, uh, the great thing that came out, the great thing that came out of it for me was being able to connect with our guys in this, in this forum, in this, in this avenue, because it was really good to, you know, I got a chance to, to know my guys. It wasn't just about basketball then, you know, it was an opportunity for our guys to learn film and, and study film together. It was to learn about, you know, everything going on in our world and, and you know, social injustice and, and all of that. You know, that was something that we really, you know, started hitting home with a little bit more. And if if we didn't have COVID, if this there wasn't a shutdown, um, then I'd probably still not know as much as I need to about our guys. You know, I was probably wouldn't have connected on a level that I needed to. And this has really been helpful. So that, you know, 
I would use the Zoom a lot more. Um, I would use, you know, film study a lot more through this, uh, through this form. And obviously, you know, once we get back on the court, you know, hopefully, you know, we'll be doing a lot more individual work and, and, and really honing the skills of our guys. Thanks for that, Coach Baldwin. And that really tops off that first segment. Excellent answers all the way around by all of the coaches. Um, so we definitely appreciate you guys zoning in and giving out some major nuggets. So we're going to close this first segment, and we're going to come right back with segment two. We got some heavy heat, last dance talk coming in, a documentary, Michael Jordan, the Chicago Bulls. Stay tuned. Nick, I don't have prairie money either. This is the best damn podcast in the land. I'm your host, Brandon Morris. And if you missed out on that first segment, you got some Division One, ex Division One players, Division Three national championship championships, uh, all type of accolades uh, with this starting five. Uh, a new head coach at the varsity level, uh, but they're really dropping some nuggets. So we're popping back in segment two. Uh, before we get to the segment two question, let's, let's get into the last dance. Uh, some of our coaches got some questions about the last dance. Uh, and Coach Ball, this question is going to be to you. Uh, you grew up in that era. You played in that era with, with, with the Michael Jordans. You obviously played in the Big Ten, Northwestern, very close to Chicago, not too far from Barrington. Uh, practice facilities of the Chicago Bulls. Did you guys ever get a chance to be around the Bulls, to be around Michael Jordan? If so, can you give us a story, uh, 60 seconds or less? Somebody just corrected me on Twitter and said that it's actually Deerfield, not Barrington. Um, give us a story if, if, if you had a chance to be around the Bulls, Michael Jordan, yeah, you know, there's an opportunity for, you know, for our team. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember the, the Ballpark Frank commercial um, that uh, that Michael Jordan uh, was in. And, uh, you know, that was shot at Northwestern. And uh, so while we had our practice first, uh, then we had the shutout. It was in the morning. Then we had uh, the, the rest of the day was uh, for them with their film set up and all that stuff. And then we had an opportunity to, to meet Michael. Um, and then the one thing that, uh, you know, I had, a, uh, there was probably about three or four guys we were a little bit, you know, we, were, we, we felt that, that uh, you know, we were pretty good as players. So, you know, we, we, when we had an opportunity to meet Michael, we challenged him to a game. And we would just think he would just be playing around. And, uh, you know, he played all of us to game to two. And, uh, you know, we didn't. <laughs> just to let you know, touch the basketball, but but it just shows you his competitiveness. Um, he had the love of the game in his contract that he could play wherever he wanted to or whenever he wanted to. Uh, but it just shows, and it's a testament to him, just how much of a, a competitor and didn't care who you were, he tried to try to murder you. Thanks for that, Coach Baldwin. Uh, Coach Leach, you got a question? Yeah, I just wanted to follow up, with Coach Baldwin. Um, 
know you were at Northwestern with Chris Collins and Doug Collins. I've been a huge Bulls fan all my life, and you, you had the opportunity to spend some time with him. Um, can you talk about anything that you, anything that was memorable, anything that you learned from him uh, in the course? If you had the opportunity, you know, behind the scenes on the court, um, anything that you were able to take away? Yeah, you know, the one thing, I, you know, in our program we talk about everyday guys, and and Doug would always talk about how Michael was every single day, uh, just his commitment to practice, his commitment to the games, whether he was injured, whether he wasn't feeling well. Um, and that's something that, that really Doug talked about all the time. And, and you see it now, you know, where there's the, uh, you know, the, the management of, of our bodies um, and, and how we take games off and, you know, especially with the pros now and, and doing all of that. And, and, you know, Doug just talked about how that was never uh, sub, something that, that Michael would ever do. He would never take a night off uh, because, you know, he, you guys know, he, he talked about uh, maybe there was one person who had, you know, this would be their first time that they would have seen him. Um, so he was so competitive, but he was the absolute everyday guy. Thanks for that, Coach Baldwin. Uh, Coach Shashelsh, did you have a, a question about the last dance of one of these coaches? Well, actually, I'm going to throw it to the three guys around my age, Trey, Nick, and Joe. Nick, obviously, a little bit older than me, but still. Um, so... Talk about your favorite Bulls player not named Michael Jordan and why. Uh, I'll jump in. Uh, I had to say a favorite non-player, non non-Michael Jordan, I had to say it had to be Scottie Pippen. I know that's not for, for everybody, but man, Scottie Pippen got majorly disrespected during that, uh, that whole last dance, I believe. And I think that the people who know basketball know there is no Bulls dynasty without Scottie Pippen. Even though Mike is the GOAT, current, the current GOAT, Without Scottie Pippen, none of that stuff happens. Zero. Mike, I don't think Mike got out the first round without Scottie Pippen. So, uh, Scottie's by far my favorite. And again, obviously being from Milwaukee, uh, our Bucks used to stink back in the day. So I was a transplant Bulls fan. I watched a lot of Bulls games. Um, so yeah, Scottie Pippen by far, man. Scottie Pippen was a, a do-it-all guy, selfless guy. Um, you know, obviously playing that that Robin role, he just crushed it. So yeah, Scottie Pippen easy for me. He was a beast. Uh. I go, I go Nick real fast. I have to agree. I think I always said Scottie Pippen too. And uh, one of the reasons I say that is because just thinking back to my basketball career, <clears throat> I was probably never the leading scorer, never the man, but I was a great role player. I did a lot of everything else. And uh, I had a lot of success, you know what I'm saying, with a lot of teams that I played for in the day. So uh, playing that role and accepting that role and still being able to win it just that's just what Scotty Pippen did, you know. He, as far as I know, he didn't really never complained about it. He just went out there, he did it. Yeah, he probably was upset at times, but you know, he accepted that role. Like you said, every Batman needs a Robin, and I think that was made me like Scotty Pippen a lot more. Well, I, I got to say someone different now, but I, I'll, I'll bring it back when my dad was an assistant at UW Eau Claire in the NEI days, when the NEI was really strong. That was when. Terry Porter played in the national championships down in Kansas City. Scottie Pippen was an NAI player played down there. And I'll remember this as a kid when my dad's team at uh, Eau Claire made it. We sat right behind Dennis Rodman's mother. And she was the most fun-loving, energetic parent I've ever seen. And I remember I was like, man, her son's great too. So I saw him play in college. And uh, obviously I love him. I know another guy, Dan Hauser, who's an assistant GM. He's a Stevens Point grad as well. 
uh, for the Pistons when they won their titles. So he's got a couple NBA rings, and I actually talk to him about every week, and he still swears by it. He says, yes, Dennis Rodman had a lot of antics on the court, but his teammates and coaches absolutely adored him. He said Chuck Daly thought he was the world of him, treated him like a son. He just said behind the scenes he was the hardest worker and the toughest guy. And so uh, ever since then, since I had the little connection when I saw him in college, ever since then I, I always respected the way what he got done on the court. Hey, side note, man, from the last dance, Rodman is the GOAT, man. Rodman left the finals and went and wrestled Hulk Hogan. He left a finals <laughs> practice with Michael Jordan and wrestled Hulk Hogan, man. That's some of the greatest material I've ever heard. That's amazing. <laughs> Talk about a guy that could win games without scoring a point, too. Right. right. I mean, he didn't, he didn't have to score a single point and would completely change the game. Next. Thank you for that, coaches. Uh, so let's jump right into the second segment of, of questions. What's the most memorable thing basketball has brought to your life? Trey Allen, we're going to come to you first. What's the most memorable thing basketball has brought to your life? Uh, well, I got a lot of memories from basketball, but uh, honestly, I'll say, you know, seeing kids grow up and be adults. Uh, I'm a real big family person. Um, I met a lot of people through the game of basketball. I actually met Corey back at Parkside playing basketball. So uh, I would say just seeing people develop. And, you know, outside of, like, the winning the championship and stuff, it's just, like, seeing um, kids grow as individuals. A lot of things we talk about over at Park is, you know, life outside of basketball. So when I get the chance to see guys come back and, you know, they have families now where they tell me about jobs, they have everything, you know, that's what sticks to me. You know, I could care less about the NBA and all that stuff like we talked before. Everyone's not going to make it, you know. What type of person are you going to be outside of basketball? So, you know, those type of things stick well with me. Um, another thing that really stuck out with me, a big memory for me, uh, is a history thing. I don't know if you guys know, but I'm the first African-American head coach at Racine Park High School. So that's something I would cherish forever. You know, something my daughter's school has me up on the wall for Black History Month. So she comes on all the time talking about that. So that's something I take a lot of pride in there. You know, I've always wanted to be a coach. So finally being able to be a varsity basketball coach and then being the first African-American head coach at Park is something that, you know, I'll cherish forever. Wow. Salute to Coach Trey Allen. Uh, Appreciate it. I mean, that, that that's phenomenal. Uh, first ever on the You Can Be More podcast uh, to have the first African-American head uh, varsity boys basketball coach at Racine Park. Wow. Salute to you, Doc. We appreciate you, man. That's that's phenomenal. <laughs> that's phenomenal. Um, wow. Okay. Uh, Joa Tucker, what's the most memorable thing basketball has brought to your life? Man, I got a double dip, man. Trey, that's amazing, man. I got to congratulate you on that, man. Obviously, as a culture, it's, it's 2020, man. And, and to think that we still breaking in barriers and still having our first, you know, to think that Obama was a president, he was our first black president. And I mean, it's it's 2000, I don't know, whatever, two, 2012, whenever he was president, it's just amazing. So to think that you're the first black coach at, at that high school is, is just amazing. But uh, I would say some of the things that the, the greatest things that basketball brought me. Uh, the first thing I would say would be uh, the brotherhood and camaraderie that I share. Even got you know, Brandon, guys like you, you know, we 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 duped it out, we battled it out on the court, and it's like we we always share a, a special bond because of those battles. 
and and then all the guys I played with, man, the guys I played with in college, some of the guys I played with in um, you know, in AAU, man, a lot of them guys are my brothers to this day. You know, I still talk to these guys, and we still just have. I mean, it, it's just a, it's it's a brotherhood. And then the second thing I would say would be to travel, man. Have an opportunity to play ball overseas for five years is uh you know that's something you know I just I, I got a two year old son now so it's something that I get a chance to share with him and something that I don't know I, never in my wildest dreams would I have thought I'd have lived in France. I lived 45 minutes north of Paris one year and uh, you know after games we got on the train and shot to Paris and kicking and party. So that's that's a rich rich memory, man. I learned a foreign language, lived in a foreign country, and it's and obviously a lot of guys in this chat had an opportunity to do that, but. That's amazing, man. When I tell my son that, you know, his dad could speak French and he played in another country and lived in another country, uh, that's phenomenal, man. And, and that's, that's you know, that's something that the game took me that I got 10, 15 stamps on my passport and, and without basketball, I might not even have one. So that, that's amazing. So I would say traveling and, and a brotherhood and camaraderie. Thanks for that, Joe Tucker. Uh, when you talk about brotherhood, uh, it is very special. Uh, way back when, when I was a sixth grader, uh, playing against Joe Tucker at uh, the Playground Warriors uh, and leading all the way up to our junior year down at the Peach Jam in Augusta, Georgia, watching these guys battle it out. Uh, brotherhood is definitely right to us playing in college against each other as rivals. Uh, and then to today where I can feel like, you know, let me hit Joe Tucker up and bring him onto the podcast uh, so brotherhood is most definitely right. Salute to you, bro. Uh, for a side note in there too, uh, when you say Wisconsin, Wisconsin playground words, you got to say the greatest AAU program in the history of Wisconsin basketball. When you saw me at the Peace Jam, we won that Peace Jam. It ain't many teams from Wisconsin that have been invited, let alone one. And so the the greatest AAU program in the history of Wisconsin. So you guys heard that here first on the You Can Be My Podcast, the greatest travel basketball team ever from Wisconsin, Wisconsin Playground Warriors, Joe Tucker. Trey Allen, you trying to add something? Yeah, I was, just, I was piggybacking off of what Joe said, talking about the traveling thing. Um, a lot of people know, you know, I come here from a real deep uh, AAU background. So the traveling thing was real big. Like a lot of the kids, the team that I had, most of my teams that I had were a majority of kids from Racine. And we always had one Kenosha kid, uh, probably. And we tried to get them walk guys, but they wouldn't come. But the traveling thing was big to these kids. A lot of these kids have never been outside of the state of Wisconsin. So we got a chance to take these kids to Florida, take them to Memphis. We've been out to Vegas. You know, we've been a lot of places. My family as well. My daughters now, when they travel, they get so excited for basketball and traveling. So traveling is huge outside of the brotherhood thing. You know, basketball has really allowed me to travel a lot of places and a lot of kids that I've coached, a lot of places that if it wasn't for basketball, they would probably never go. Excellent. Just wanted to add that in. Thanks for that, Coach. Uh, coach Bennett, uh, what's the most memorable thing? Yeah, I, I'm definitely going to piggyback off of what Trey, Trey and Joe already stated. But um, on, our, on, my, on our national championship, when we won my senior year, we just got to put a little inscription inside. Most kids like put their name or something, and I just simply put, the journey. Mm. And uh, for me, I, I don't wear my rings. I wear my wedding ring so my wife doesn't slap me, but I haven't put a, one of my rings on in probably over a decade. But uh, for me, I just put that, when I want to think back to all the things that it brought me, it was about the journey. I know fans and everyone get to see the games, but uh, 
And I'm sure everyone in here, I bet, probably has done this. I've done Zooms with my high school teammates. I've done Zooms with our college teammates. We make fun of one another's. We tell stories about our silly practices, the <laughs> staying overnight in the hotels, the times where we got mad at one another. You know, And those are the best things in the world, just be able to share those relationships. And like you say, 15, 20 years later, still be able to uh, stay connected. So when I think back to everything, truly, I'm just so thankful for the journey that I got to go on in my playing career and obviously my coaching career. Um, uh, yeah, it's fun to win. Uh, I'm not going to lie. We're all competitive people. We all want to win. We all want to win conference championships, state championships, national championships. We all want to win. But truly, at the, at the heart of it, I always say if I would have never won a ch title or anything, I'm just thankful for the opportunity to meet the people I've gotten to meet, to be uh, have a chance to get a college degree, have a chance to uh, just share this stuff, you know, 15, 20 years later. So, you know, the journey just means so much to me. And, and, and looking back and reflecting, it only means more. Thanks for that, Coach Bennett. Uh, Coach Baldwin, what's the most memorable thing basketball has brought to your life? Yeah, it, it's very similar to Trey and Joe and, and Nick. And, you know, the thing that I always talk about when um, as a player is my first opportunity to, to get to Europe and it's taken me to so many different places uh, this game has. And, and uh, you know, I'm very thankful for that. Um, you know, went to Paris, went to Greece and went to so many different places that that can't be taken away from me. Uh, the other side of that is, you know, I've been coaching for, you know, over 20 years and, and you know, I got a, I got a text the other day from one of my former players my first year of coaching. Um, and with the text came the picture that, that he and I uh, took together uh, with a, a, a number of other guys on, on that team. And that's what it's about for me. You know, if, if I don't win a game, if I don't um, all of those things, you know, what I truly care about is the relationships that I have with these guys that, that I've been fortunate enough to coach and be around. And, and uh, you know, that, that's truly a blessing for me is, is to be around those guys. and. And just like Trey said, is when you hear that, uh, you know, they, they get married um, or they have their child and, and all of that. And, um, you know, to be able to see them grow up as men um, and you have something to do with it for whether it was two years or four years or however many years, um, you know, that's what's truly, you know, a blessing to me. And, and I can go back to, you know, my Green Bay days or Loyola days or Missouri State and Northwestern. And there's guys littered all over those rosters, um, former teams. I probably can't remember when they, you know, you know what type of shot they made or, or or how many points they scored. But I could tell you about some very special moments that I had with them. You know, so that's that's really memorable for me. Wow, you guys are you guys are a special special group of of, of gentlemen. Uh, so salute to all you guys. Uh, excellent answers. Very uh, inspirational. Uh, Coach Ball, we're going to come back to you. How do you prepare players for life after basketball? A lot of your time, all, all, all you coaches, ex-players, a lot of your time is just basketball, basketball, basketball. But how do you prepare your players for life after basketball? You know, it, it, it's so hard because, you know, we were all 18 to, to 22 or 23-year-olds. And all we cared about probably was was ball. Um, you know, some of you guys probably cared more about books or, or that was even for you. But, uh, you know, the thing that, that, you know, that I talk to our guys and how we prepare for the future is that, 
obviously the ball is going to stop bouncing at some point. You're going to have a responsibility. And one of those responsibilities, if you're lucky enough, it's, it's you're going to get married. You know, so you're going to have a, a responsibility as a, as a husband. And, you know, so you, you want to make sure that, that you're teaching our guys or you're teaching your guys how to be men, how to be husbands, how to be, you know, down the line, how to be fathers. You know, so that's, you know, that's one way. You know, the other side of that, too, is we're talking to them about, you know, the responsibility of, of taking care of your family. If you have, um, you know, at some point, um, you know, you're going to be responsible for, you know, paying your bills, a mortgage, a car, whatever it is, you're going to be responsible for that. Um, you know, so you have to learn how to, you know, take care of your finances, take care of your money, uh, make sure you're responsible from that standpoint. And, you know, so we, we try to prepare our guys for, you know, for the real life. We also say that, you know, we talk about time, we talk about the management of that. And, you know, the, the reality is if they're going to be late for class, if they're going to be late for study hall or whatever it is, uh, you know, there's consequences behind that. And similarly, if they're going to be late for their job, if they're going to be late for anything outside of, you know, the, the four years that they're here or if they're playing, Joe mentioned it, that if, if you don't take care of your craft, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, you're going to get fired. Uh, so, so we prepare, you know, we prepare our guys for that. And, and um, I mean, there's, there's so many different ways to skin a cat that way, but, but that's, you know, a couple of ways that we talk about with our guys. Um. So, Coach Baldwin, I, I gotta I gotta come back to you before I go to the rest of the guys, because Coach Baldwin was my college coach, and some years later he he's getting ready to uh, get a head coaching job, and uh, I think he might have reached out to me for a letter of recommendation or something along those lines, and I write this letter, and we're talking about how do you prepare your players for life after basketball in the one year that I had coach Baldwin as my coach he taught me so many things without even telling me that he was teaching it and one was him being a father uh while uh you know working on uh study tables which was only two hours and then it would spill spill into uh maybe three hours where we're you know we're playing some Delphonics and, and some old school jams that he liked, but during those times there would be a phone call that would come, and and I remember writing in the letter where it would be his wife calling and then letting little Patrick Jr. who was only probably like one years old at the time say a little something on the phone, and to see his face light up with a big smile, that was teaching me some things that. As a man, you know, family is always important. And that two, three-minute phone call that he took and the smile on his face, the just the passion that he had for family taught me how do I can carry that on to now with when I'm at practice and my wife calls and my daughter wants to say hello and interrupt. Uh, so that was one thing that I took away from you, and I appreciate that. I'm going to take that with me forever and pass it on to my players but it, it, it if I can if I if I if I want to keep it real I did have a, a talk with your wife when you read that letter what was your reaction well it's almost like it is right now you know to be honest with you it's 
Joe and I talked about this the other day. You know, there's times where you say, you know what, I'm not going to tear up. I'm not going to, you know, do that stuff. But but stuff like this is watershed moments, man. Where, um, and and that's that's my reaction when I when I read the letter, man. And and you know, to be honest with you, when when I was in study table with you, um, whatever we were doing, um, everything that that we did was was sincere and. You know, and I couldn't do that without having a great wife. I couldn't do that without having, you know, that that understanding from her that, that this is this is what I do. This is what my passion is. Um, and you know, you you owe her a lot. <laughs> I, I definitely do. <laughs> uh, you know, the greater the sacrifice, the greater the reward. So appreciate you, Coach. Yeah, appreciate. Um, so over to you. Uh, uh, Coach Bennett, uh, how do you prepare your players for life after basketball? Yeah, I'm sure Corey has heard this before. Um, people have seen the Butler way. I know that uh, Coach Collier back in the day kind of took it a little bit from my uncle. We, we kind of always say we talk about the five pillars of our program. And mm. honestly, it's not something that I ever write on a board. I don't put it up in a packet for them. I always just say, I hope myself and our staff, I hope we just kind of live by these principles and I hope you guys see them and I hope you guys feel them and I hope they mean something to you. Uh, real quickly, uh, the five pillars are, it's passion. Uh, I always tell our kids, I hope you have a passion about something you guys do someday, with a person that you're with someday. Um, obviously I'm passionate about basketball, I'm passionate about teaching and I hope that shows with them. Uh, next pillar is unity, do something together. Uh, uh, it's a lot more fun. The journey is a lot more fun where you're doing it with people that you know and trust and love. Um, next one is servanthood. We always just say, especially basketball, it's a team sport. You better be willing to serve. You better be willing to, to be a good teammate. You better be willing to, to serve and sit on the bench and cheer when things aren't going your way. Um, next one's uh, H is humility. We just say, do it with a little bit of grace. Do it with a little bit of dignity. Uh, uh, people will notice that at the end of the day. And the last one is thankfulness. We just tell our kids, truly be thankful for your abilities. Be thankful for your, uh, uh, the way that you're able to play the game, the school that you're able to go to, and hopefully lead you on to better things. So again, I could talk about those a lot longer. Uh, my Uncle Dick could go into a whole lot better detail uh, if you ever heard him talk about them. But um, those five pillars are, are what we try to exemplify uh, on a daily basis, and, and hopefully it means something to our kids down the road. Thanks for that, uh, Joe. Again, I I think that you have the best of both worlds uh, because you get to probably mentor players both at the college level, the pro level, and the high school level. So, how would you prepare players for life after basketball? Uh, because I think, if if I'm not mistaken, you are, and, and your family are entrepreneurs. So how do you prepare players for life at the basketball? Well, the first thing is, man, I just try to be an example to them. Uh, I am an entrepreneur, man. I work for myself, man. After I finished playing basketball, I got into residential real estate. And I've been doing that uh, since my basketball career. So really, uh, one thing is I just try to be an example to them and, and let them know there are avenues. But but I try to tell the kids, I try to make it as basic as possible for them. You look at a guy like LeBron James, and obviously LeBron James right now, or you know whatever, however you call it, he's been one of the best players in the world for the last 15, 16, 17 years of his life. And you know, coming up, he's always been you know that guy. 
But, you know, LeBron James' career is coming to an end sometime soon, and he's my favorite player in the NBA. But, you know, at max, he probably got another three years. So at that point, LeBron James would be 36, 37. And, uh, you know, sports is going to – you're going to have – you're going to have life without sports longer than you are going to have sports. And, again, obviously, as a, as a basketball player or as a sports player, any type of sport you play, you get used to a certain lifestyle. So, obviously, when, it, when that's all done, it's tough to have been, in, you know, flying private jets and standing in nice hotels. And then when you're done playing basketball, now you're back to the Holiday Inn. So, it's something that you have to build up to. It's not something that you can start, you know, when your career is over. Now I'm going to do this. You have to start building. So, you have to start making those connections. And these are the things that I try to mentor and try to help the youth with. When you're in school, man, you got to make connections. You got to meet the boosters. You got to shake hands. You got to you got to do all of that. You got to do a lot of networking. That's what it's all about because the ball will stop bouncing and you will have to provide for your family. And unless you're LeBron James or somebody in the NBA who's made a ton of money, you still have to know how to invest. So I, I just think that sports really mirror life. You know, a lot of the lessons that I learned in sports, I turn around and use it in my business life. A lot of the discipline that I learned, you know, waking up at practice at 6 in the morning or running or whatever we had to do, that discipline is what has made me successful in life. And those are skills I've built very, very young. Not, not, not so young, but I mean, those are skills I've built throughout my career. So the same principles, just like Nick talked about, you know, when you, when you look at those core principles that you were taught through basketball, you can relate them right to life. And I, and I give my coach, uh, Coach Jeter, a shout out. He, uh, man, he, he told us one of his famous sayings was, uh, it's a lifestyle. And, yep. you know, this is kind of one of the things you just kind of hear sometimes. But what he used to tell us was it's a lifestyle. Whatever you do, it's a lifestyle in which you do it. it and I think when it came up, it was some guys that got, uh, they had failed some drug tests. And what he was telling us was, you know, it obviously doesn't make the guys bad guys. But he said, when you smoke, a smoker, it, that's a lifestyle you lead. It, it's certain things that you do that comes with smoking. And he just broke things down of whatever you're doing in your life, it's not just one thing. If you somebody that wakes up early, you had a discipline to wake up early, that transfers through your whole life. So so the lifestyle kind of follows it. So you just got to really work on those those principles and work on those core core values. And, and those are things that can carry you throughout your life. And like I said, something I always tell the kids when they're young with study habits. Study habits is something if you start studying early and get those study habits in place, you won't have to turn it on and turn it off. You can't get to college and say, oh, I'm going to start studying. That's something you've had to you know, work and, and nurture throughout high school. So, so that'd be a, a few of the things that I, I try to tell the young men. Appreciate that, Joe Tucker. Uh, Coach Trey Allen, uh, how, how do you prepare players for life after basketball? Uh, so for me, you know, my first year really coaching AAU was probably in 2008. And I was just finishing up at Parkside, so I was fairly young. And the group I had was high school boys. You know, I've helped out with Jamil Wilson, Antoine Oliver, a lot of those guys that uh, were going to Horley. I'm Horley graduate myself. So it was like, how do I get through to these guys? These guys 17, 18 years old, and I'm 23 years old. So the first thing I did and I continue to do now is just, I just be real. You know, I, I'll be 100% honest with these guys. Um, I'm not there to be their coach, you know what I'm saying? I'm not there to be their dad or whatnot, you know, and the way I kind of come is the big brother, but at the same time, there's guidelines to it. So I'm real with the guys. Um, I'm honest with the guys all the time. Um, I talk to them a lot about things outside of basketball. Every time I meet with them, it's not just about basketball. Even in our practices to this day, we talk about the kids. We talk about their families, you know what I'm saying? We talk about things going on outside of basketball. So in order for me to prepare the kids, I kind of stick to that. You know, I talk about 
you know, what are some careers? Um, what does a family look like to you? So my biggest thing is don't always talk about basketball. Talk about things outside of basketball. Um, I bring my family around a lot. I think every kid that has played for Park since I've been there, my assistant years, three years assistant, one head coach, they all know my daughters. They know my wife. Every AAU team I play, they know my family. So we preach family a lot. And I think that really sticks into the guys. Like, you know, hey, Coach Trey isn't here just to talk about basketball, just to chill us out. Like, he wants to see us be successful. He wants other things out of us. You know, I go to the birthday parties. I go to family events. I'm present in the community centers everywhere. So I always talk to the kids about things outside of basketball, and that's something I'll continue to do. Thank you for that, Coach Allen. Uh, we're going to come right back to you, Coach Allen. Uh, what prepares parents uh oh yeah <laughs> what prepares parents for the level you coach at how, how could you prepare parents uh so like middle school parents and then parents that haven't had their their sons play at the varsity level what's some advice that you give to those parents to prepare them for what varsity is like or how you coach uh, again, that kind of goes back to my relationship with the kids. I just try to be honest. Uh, I tell people all the time, like, hey, this is what you're going to get. I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to be honest with you. I know a lot of – I think a lot of kids now, from my experience, think that it's so easy to play varsity basketball as a freshman. And these middle school kids think they can just walk right in and they're supposed to be on varsity right away. So I'll tell the parent right away, hey, the first day of practice, your kid is going to the freshman court. If the JV coach thinks he's good enough, we'll move him to the JV court. And if we think, okay, maybe she's playing varsity, then we'll move over. So I'm going to be real upfront with them. I'm going to laugh, joke with the parents. Um, so then they have an understanding of me. They have a feel for who I am. You know, I, it is what it is. You're going to get what you get. I'm not going to run from you. I'm not going to hide. I'm not going to ignore you. Open communication at all times. You know, I tell parents all the time, you can reach out to me for anything. Yeah, here's my phone number, email. I work at the school. Come talk to me. I'm just that type of person. But as long as we have a respect thing, I don't really have issues. But I think being honest and open up front, I think that helps the relationship and the parents know what type of guy you're going to be and they know what you're doing. Thanks for that, Coach Allen. Uh, we're coming to you, Coach Tucker. Um, Joe Tucker, how, how would you prepare parents uh, for their child to be playing at the varsity level in high school or college or pros, whatever one, you have that choice to choose? Uh, I would say, man, for the parents, man, they have to be realistic, you know, have to be realistic with their kids. Um, they have to, you know, have a little knowledge of the game and, and kind of understand what they're being asked to do. And then, like some guys have touched on, everybody's not going to be a super, superstar. Everybody's not going to be the guy taking 20 shots. And sometimes your son might be the guy who was a rebounder. He might be a this guy. He might be the cheerleader on the bench. And you have to be willing to accept all that. You know, you never know you know, what level your child is going to play at. I would say, too, to the parents, don't force it, man. You know, for my kid, like I said, I got a two-year-old son, and, uh, you know, I would love to be playing sports, but I'm not going to force it on him. If it's not in, you know, if it's not in the play, it's not in the play, and I'm not going to try to live my career uh, through, you know, what he did. I wasn't able to make the NBA. That was a goal of mine, so I'm not going to go crazy, have my son training at eight to make the NBA when, you know, he got to be a kid, man. You got to allow your son to you know, I gotta allow your kid to be, you know, a child. I'm sure Coach Baldwin has a thing, you know, with his kid. I'm sure he let him uh, allow him to be a, a kid and enjoy his childhood. Man, I think sometimes kids, 
we make kids grow up too fast, man. I, I'm a person who I got to be a child. When I was a child, I had child responsibilities. I didn't have no adult responsibilities and I was able to be a kid, man. So uh, it's just really huge. And I, I'll say something else is, man, don't be that parent going crazy in the stands. If I'm coaching, <laughs> that is not going to help your child get on my basketball court. Yeah. <laughs> going crazy in the stands, talking about he's in a game or yada, yada, yada. That's going to get him moved closer to the end of the bench. And that's just how life works. Even if your kid is good, if your parent is crazy and they going crazy in the stands and yelling profanity and all that type of craziness, it, it's all bad. And you only hurt, are only, only hurting your kids. So again, as a parent, man, just fall back, you know, make sure your kid is getting worked out and, and doing the proper things to get on the court. All you can do is do your part, make sure they are ready to play, make sure they know the game. Do your part as a parent. Don't really overstep your boundary as coaches and all y'all are coaches. Like I said, I don't coach. I, I do a lot of mentoring with the kids. I, I'm a huge fan of basketball. I try to stay around the game a ton. But, you know, don't overstep your boundary as a parent. You're a parent. You send them to somebody to get them coached and get them taken care of. And when you send them to them, uh, I would think that you trust that person with your child. So, so let that person do their job. And then, you know, you fall in the background and, and you get in where you fit in, you know, outside the court. And you work them out afterwards and, and so on and so forth. Appreciate that, George Tucker. Uh, um, this is a first on the, on the You Can Be More podcast. Uh, George Tucker, uh, there's an assistant coach coaching job for you at Kenosha St. Joe's whenever you're ready. <laughs> hey, everybody in this chat can, can notice my wife went to bed a little while ago. Uh, you had to get that clear with her, and I can already tell you that me traveling and, and coaching every day, I'm not gonna get clear. It's not gonna be okay. So, uh, I, I appreciate I'm, I appreciate the opportunity, but I am gonna have to turn it down on this Zoom call because if I even went and presented that to my wife right now, uh, things won't go over well. I'll probably be on the first floor. I probably wouldn't even make it to the second floor tonight to sleep in my own room. <laughs> I love it. See, that's that's a part of being a man. I hope for all of you listeners that are listening in to the You Can Be More podcast. Uh, take out your notebooks right now if you don't have them already out and write that down. Joe Tucker said it. Uh, no, keep it real. If you, if you don't think you got to ask your wife about certain stuff, okay, you're not being honest. We just talked about being honest, being realistic. Yep. So, uh, Chris McHenry, when you listen to this, I know you posted something today about uh, asking your wife something, but uh, for us that are married, we know what, what it is. Uh, Coach Bennett. Um, how do you, how do you prepare your parents, uh, for the level that you coach at coaching varsity basketball? You guys have a very competitive team, uh, obviously going 25 and 0 headed to the state tournament, COVID-19 kind of jumps in the way. Uh, how do you prepare your parents? Yeah, I'll, I'll, Trey and Joe, uh, did a great job of stealing some of my answers, but I'll just uh, continue off of them. Uh, what Trey said with honesty, it is. I always tell the parents in our initial parent meeting, there's there's gonna be, if you guys ask me questions, I will give you real answers. And I said, there'll probably be a moment where you're not very happy with me. There's gonna be a time where I'm gonna tell you your kid isn't gonna be on the team that you want him to be. He's not gonna get as many shots as you want for him. He, he, he He's probably not destined for what you think i'm not trying to kill dreams i tell them all the time i'm not here to kill dreams i want your kids to aspire to greatness but if you ask me things i have a duty to be as honest and as forthcoming as possible so um 
I think I think that I would say I, I would say it's kind of like ripping the band-aid. It's going to hurt at first, but in the long run, you'll, you'll you'll feel okay about it a little bit later, or hopefully. And then the second thing I would say I want to give you guys as much realistic information as possible. And one of my other ones I always talk about in our player parent meeting is three percent of high school players make it to any level of college. That's NAI, junior college, Division three, Division two, II, Division one. Three percent. That's it. And I always tell, we have a room full of 50 kids that all want to play college. I say, if you want to get there, it's going to take certain things. You're going to have to uh, sacrifice certain times on your weekend. You're going to have to give up a piece of your social life and whatnot. So I'm just using an example. I really try to be honest. And again, I try to give as much realistic information to know. Um, you want to be serious about hoops. You, you have, it's a, it's a, it's a full-time thing. So hopefully that resonates with them and, does that resonate with every parent? Absolutely not. We're never going to shoot 100% with parents or kids. It's just not the real world. But uh, I have a duty to try it every day to be as uh, forthcoming as possible. Appreciate that, Coach Bennett. Uh, Coach Ball, when you're uh, at, a, at a different level, kind of like uh, Coach Shishelshik, uh with college basketball, but how do you prepare parents? Obviously, the Division One level and any college level, most of the parents that are the players that are coming to your school are probably the best on the team. So, how do you prepare parents to play at, at, at the level you're at? You know, I, I think you know. I, I think all the guys have said it. You know, it's the it's the truths that you speak, and you can't operate in the gray areas. And uh, you know, it has to be black or white. You know, the one thing that I tell every single parent that I come in. That, that come into my program, whether they are recruited and they sign with us or we're recruiting them and for some other reason that they don't come, I, I tell them all the same thing. I, you know, I, I don't have, um, uh, you know, there's, there's nothing that I've said to my senior that I'm not saying to our freshmen. And so the thing that I'm saying is, is all the truth that I require you to play hard, require you to be a great teammate, and and you know the other side of that is is you know if, if you can't if you can't give of yourself and similar to what Coach Bennett talked about is that humility if you don't have if you're not humble um, and the things that we talk about also is you know what winning looks like if you can't do those things it's it's going to be it's going to be tough for you and you know I'll tell them straightforward that that I am a tough coach and. Um, you know, I like guys who, who play hard and who are committed to, you know, doing things the right way. Um, and sometimes my best player won't be the leading scorer on my you know, on my team. You know, that's just the way it is. You know, our leading scorer last year for my team wasn't my best player. Um, you know, so so that's that's how I, I prepare player. You know, prepare uh, parents for that also. But you know, the truth that I tell our parents as well um, is that I'm going to tell your kid the truth. And hopefully your kid will tell your parents the truth, because if you do that, then there's there is no gray area. If 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 those parents and the kids can all speak the same language, oh yeah, he told me that. You know, coach, that's what that's what coach said. You yeah. know, so um, you know, I, I think there's an opportunity to you know to present that to parents, and you better do it the first time you speak you speak with them. Um, if you're lying to them or, or doing or saying something to, to them that to, to just get them into your program 
and then that changes, um, then you're gonna be in trouble. You know, I talked to one of our kids and um, you know, I told him, I said, there's a lot of things, and this is prior to him committing to us. I said, there's a lot of things that you have to work on. There's things that I want to help you get better at. And, you know, right now, this is where you're at. And this is, this is where you would be in our program as far as playing and what you would be able to do in our program. And, you know, during probably like the 10th game of our, of our season, you know, one of the parents came to me and said, he's playing at the wrong position. And I said, well, the things that we would ask him to do at another position, he couldn't do right now. Mm. And, and if he was at the other position, he probably wouldn't be playing as much. So which do you want? You want him playing a lot right now, or you don't want him playing at all, playing the wrong position? Excellent, I love it, I love it. Um, so all great answers uh, for that second segment. We're gonna open it up. We got about roughly 10 minutes uh, for this second segment. Uh, before we get to your closing remarks from all of you guys uh, and it's been phenomenal so far I've, I've just truly been enjoying it uh, some of the coaches are going to open up with some questions uh, but uh, one question for you uh, coach Baldwin uh, growing up Leavenworth Kansas nobody knows where that is um, but growing up in Leavenworth Kansas obviously finishing up at uh, Northwestern and now having a son who, who's one of the top high school basketball players in the country, how does that make you feel when you know what you've accomplished as a player and now having a son who's considered one of the, one of the top players in the country? How, how does that make you feel as an as a ex-player and then as a father? You know, first I'll, I'll say that, uh, you know, I've come to the conclusion I was – you know, I found some old VHS tapes of myself <laughs> and, you know, I popped it in today. I was watching it for, you know, probably about 30 minutes and I realized that I wasn't good as probably I talked my game today. So uh, I, I'm coming to realize that, that he's way better than, <laughs> than, ever, than I ever was as a, as a high school player. Uh, but, you know, the greatest thing that, that I'll say with, with uh, you know, with my son and, and the way he is and, and even with with my girls too is is I, I'm just as proud of, of him as the young man that he's starting to become um, as he is about his ability to shoot a jumper or make a pass or dunk or anything like that because it's you know that that's what's showing what we're doing as as parents. Yeah. Um, you know, he has some God given things you know he has some size he has the ability to shoot he has all of that stuff and and that probably doesn't come from me um but uh, but the fact that that we've taught him how to to respect people respect people to treat people right to, to be humble um and 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 that's that's the one thing that that's really resonated with me and and that that sits with us as as parents um you know the other side of that too is you know the, the one thing i always tell them is you know make every place your, your big time um i tell all of our guys that as well you know, so for him, you know, I, I just want wherever he's at to, to enjoy it. And Coach Bennett said the same thing. You know, just wherever you are, you know, just, you know, just live in that moment. So that's what I, that's what I give to him. And, and he's been, he's, he's, he's as good as it gets from that standpoint. And my girls are the same way. You know, I have a, you know, I have a junior to be a young daughter who, um, you know, she's being recruited at the volleyball level too. And she's pretty good, but she's, 
you know, she's going to study to be a pre-med or to be a doctor. And that's what I care about the most. Wow. And, you know, so I'm, I'm really happy about that. Excellent. Thank you for that, Coach Baller. Uh, so this part of the, the, the podcast has brought us to our commercial break. And the You Can Be More podcast uh, tonight's sponsor. Uh, this show is sponsored by Nobody. Uh, we don't have any sponsorships yet, so yeah, we're still working on that. Uh, anyways, Coach Johnny Act, what do you have for one of the coaches? Any trivia, questions, anything? Uh, questions for any of the guests. It's pretty simple. Uh, asked it before, but thinking back on your playing days or in your coaching career, if you want to do both, that's fine too. But uh, matchups that you most look forward to, that you most got up for, whether it be another coach on the other side uh, other side of the sideline on the other bench or a certain arena you look forward to playing in the most or a certain player you look forward to playing against, all that kind of stuff goes in the play of this one. So we do want to spread the wealth uh, for, for all of our bench coaches. So we're going to shoot this coach to uh, uh, Joe Tucker. Yeah. Uh, this one is easy, man. Uh, I think uh, we have a chance to talk about our, our, our rivalry. Uh, I'll say two two things in the Horizon League, man. We used to go to Green Bay, and I think, I don't know when the Rush Center was built, and I think I'm saying that correctly. That was the name of the arena, Rush yep. Center? Yep, Rush Center. Um, Rush Center. So anytime we came up to Green Bay, man, and Coach Baldwin got a little piece of that as well, but anytime we came up to the, the, the Rush Center, man, it was a great environment up there, man. They had great fan support. Um, and obviously with a new arena, there was a lot of energy in there. When I was there, uh, Green Bay was really tough. So, man, I really always enjoyed coming up to play Green Bay, uh, especially on them Saturday afternoon games, man. I, I actually watched a game about – I just moved out of a place I was in a long time, so I found some game footage, and I looked at the games from Green Bay, man. I, half my family was behind a, behind a bench, but just always a great environment up there in Green Bay, and, and Brandon can attest to that. And then, two, uh, Coach had another part of this, man. I would say my, my arch rival in Horizon League was a guy named Blake Schlitt. Uh, Blake Schliff played at Loyola, man. He was a hell of a player, 6'7", PG. Um, and he was a guy we, I mean, on the court, we just didn't like one another. We played the same position or, you know, sometimes matched up with one another. And, uh, you know, he was good. I was good. And it's, you know, you know, iron shot for iron. So it's like we always kind of bumped heads and we always had something slick to say to one another. But, uh, you know, I think I brought the best out of him. And he brought the best out of me, man. So it's nothing like those legendary matchups that, you know, the kind of things you never forget. And again, I tell you, I'm 37 now, you know, so I, I finished playing college basketball when I was 22. So we talking about 15 years and a lot of these memories are still fresh in my head. If I close my eyes right now, I can take myself back to Green Bay and, and imagine that matchup with Brandon and, and, you know, those games. So, it, like I said, it's still fresh, man. Excellent. Thank you for that, Joey. Uh, uh, Coach Shelsky, you got a, a question for one of the coaches? Actually, I want to hear. I want to hear uh, uh, Coach Bennett and Coach Trey too talk about some great matchups. I, I want to hear their, their greatest rivals going across, and Coach Baldwin too. I want to hear that. I always love rivalry talk. So, want me to go first? Youngest fellas. All right. Uh, this is kind of weird. So for me right now, uh, personally, Park is my place of employment. Uh, Park is my family. Park is where I'm coaching, but I am a Horlick uh, grad. So I take that Horlick, I take that Horlick matchup uh, personal, man. Like every time, even for football, I coach football, it's like 
no matter what I do in my coach career at the end, I want to know my record versus Horlick. You know, a lot of my best friends were all Horlick alumni, so they come to the game. They're sitting behind me on Parkside, but they're cheering for Horlick. So that just motivates me, man. So that's a big time rival for me right now. Like, I, I want to win every game, but when we play those Horlick games, it's like I am not losing the Horlick. So that's a big rival for me right now, man. Like I said, I'm, I'm Horlick to the death of me, but right now I'm coaching at Park, and that's my family right now. Thanks for that, Coach Allen. Coach Bennett, what you got? I feel like I feel like this is a setup. <laughs> Jason and Bimo right, right here. I feel like you guys are trying to give me bulletin board material right now. Hey, um, hey, hold on, hold on. First of all, there's no more. <laughs> there's no more St. Joe's, uh, Racine, St. Catharines. Rival, that ain't even a rival right now. So you can, you can. It, yeah. I always tell the kids that probably. St. Joe's probably is our longest standing rivalry. If you look through the, I mean, 80, 90 years history, uh, obviously crossed down my first couple of years, Jason kicked our butt with, uh, with JC and that great group that they had. Um, for our kids, I know they really got up for our Dominican games the past couple of years. I mean, when you're talking about the best player on the planet sitting in the stands, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, so that was obviously a neat experience. Uh, Martin Luther's obviously been so strong the past couple. Um, we've had some good games with them, but uh, I, 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 again, I'll go politically correct. We always tell our guys, I don't really care who we're playing; it's how we're playing. So um, um, rivalries are fun. Uh, they're they're great. They're crosstown games. Trey and I, we're going to play each other next. I, Trey, we're going to get some backlash. I think this is the first time Park and St. Cats are playing in like close to fifty years. Wow. Yeah. Um, we played them uh, in a holiday tournament my sophomore year. We played St. Cass, but as yeah. far as a, a not hot, was it a neutral site? Yeah, what, uh, no, it was actually at Horlick. We hosted the holiday tournament. Yeah. Oh, at Horlick, but not no. Park. Not at Park. Park, yeah, Park hasn't played. No, they haven't played. Now that I think about it, you're right. No. Uh, Trey uh, and, and I'm or, and I've already gotten some guff from this from the old timers. This is going way back. Jim Jones, who was probably one of the five greatest players to ever come out of Wisconsin. He was an NBA all-star. Mm -hmm. After his sophomore year, he transferred from Park to St. Catharines. He was an All-American at Marquette, NBA all-star with the Cavaliers, won a tight. I mean, unbelievable. And there was like this unwritten rule that these coaches back then said, St. Cats and Park will never play mm -hmm. again. And now when I got the job and Trey and I are, are, are friends, we're like, yeah, hey, we'll still play. So... We'll probably have to <laughs> at me uh, at that game, but I think it'll be good for the city. But um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you for that, Coach Benny. Uh, Coach Baldwin, some rivalries. You've been at a, a, a few different schools. What's the best rivalry stories you have? Well, you know, I've been uh, in the Horizon League now for 10 years, seven as an assistant, or actually nine, 12 years now. So nine as an assistant, three as a head coach. And, and that Milwaukee Green Bay uh, rivalry is something else. And, you know, I, I bring out old film. You know, Joy, you didn't know about it, but I brought out some film last year before we played Green Bay, you know, for our guys to see just so that they can get some of that history. You know, so that's always something that, um, you know, when you put those two teams together, uh, records don't matter. Uh, where you're from don't matter. It's just, you know, it's, it's just those two teams going at it. And, uh, you know, I had the fortune of, of coaching at both of them. So, um, so that's great. And then as a, as a player, you know, 
I had a lot of really good point guard matchups in the in the ten in the Big Ten. Uh, two of them come to come to mind for me, and one is Tracy Webster when he played at Wisconsin. Um, and you know, both of us were lefties. Um, you know, and just every single time that we competed against each other, it was it was a dog fight. And and I, I love competing against him. And then the last one was uh, Damon Bailey. You know, everybody knows about Damon Bailey and season on the brink that Bobby Knight talked about him, you know, being, you know, better than his players when he was in eighth grade. And I had a chance to, you know, to play against him in, in travel basketball, AAU at the time. Um, so I, I had known about him for a long time. And, and when we played against each other in college four straight years, um, you know, it was it was personal for me because uh, as a freshman, um, you know, he ended up winning freshman of the year and I was I was second behind him. Um, and I felt like I felt like I got jobbed on that one. Um, so every single game after that, um, it was it was it was on with between him and, and myself. Wow. Uh, some great stuff. Can we get some trivia from Coach Johnny Ack? One trivia question before we close out segment two. All right. I know we've brought it up quite a bit of times with Joe on the Sweet 16 run. Um, so, this could be a two-part question if the first one's too easy. And, and, and this question is for the bench players only. Yeah. All right. So, within that Sweet 16 run, UWM beat a four-seeded Boston College team. There were three future NBA guys on that team named two of them. Or Ooh. at least one of them. Name at least one of them. You said it's for the bench guys, right? Not for myself? Yeah, for the bench guys only. Yeah. There's, there's one pretty uh, predominant name on that out of the three. Boston Oh, uh, They had a really good guard, if I remember right. I can't remember. Uh. Jared Dudley? Jared Dudley is the guy I'm thinking of, yep. Yes. And then uh, Craig Smith, the other, other guy, had a little bit better of an NBA career. Jared oh. Dudley, though. Wow. Uh, give us another yeah, trivia shot, question. Hey, shot oh, sorry, had, Joel, go ahead. Yeah, they had a kid that was a shot blocker. He played a year or two. He definitely got drafted. He kind of washed out of the league, but he was 6'11", somewhere around there. Uh, Sean Williams. Sean Williams, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then um, the second part to that question is, who did UWM lose to that year? The 2005 tournament. Illinois. It was Illinois, yep. Name three players on that team. We had D, D Brown there. The national runner-up, yep. D Brown, the D's coaching over at UIC now. And then uh, you've got Darren Williams. Darren Williams, and you had uh, Luther Head. Yep. Oh, yeah, hell of a team. And, hell of a team. And then Joe Tucker's other high-scoring teammates, cousin was on the national title at UNC. Oh, Rashad McCann. Uh, McCanns. Okay. Right. Excellent. You Do you have one more one more trivia question for us, Johnny? I got one or two if we have time. So, one. Uh, I got one. All right. In Coach Baldwin's first season at UWM, they beat a Final Four team by 17. So a Final Four team in that season, they beat by 17. Who was it? In Coach Baldwin's first season at UWM. Whoa. 17, sheesh. Yeah, this can go for the starters or the, or, or the bench players. Nobody's going to get this. Loyola. It was Loyola, correct. Wow. <laughs> Damn it. Timo, I want to ask this one really quick. If we have go ahead, go ahead. All right, so with uh, Coach Bennett 
playing at Stevens Point. Uh, I actually looked it up during the podcast tonight. So Stevens Point is second all time with uh, national titles in the D3 ranks with four of them. Who are they behind? Can I answer? What's up? Am I in on this? No. No, you can't answer. <laughs> by, by the way, I will say, just for the record, Nick Bennett's two Stephen Points teams, those were two of the best Division three teams I've ever seen in person. So I, I will say that. Nick, I, I don't want to hear about it the next time we go golfing or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> those were two of the best. My guess is going to be I'm going to go with either Illinois Wesleyan or... Uh, You're in the right conference with Illinois Wesleyan. Carkage. North Park. North Park. Oh, North Park. North Park has five of them. They were all a long time ago. Excellent. All right, you guys hear the music. That's closing out segment two. And we're going to come back with a closing segment. Some final words from all the coaches and players. We'll be back. Listen. This is the best damn podcast in the land. If you just tuning in, this is the closing segment for tonight's podcast. We got my man, Joe Tucker. UWM, one of the greatest players to ever play at UWM. Head coach, Racine St. Catharines, my man, Coach Nick Bennett. Head coach, Racine Park, Trey Allen. And then the head coach at UWM, my college basketball coach, Coach Patrick Baldwin. Uh, so we're into the closing segment. They're just going to be giving their tips, their advice to the youngest players coming up, looking to play at the next level, as well as giving some advice to the parents uh, that are looking for their their kids to play at the next level. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, Trey Allen, we're going to come to you and, and go throughout the list. What's the most memorable or, or the most favorite moment from the last dance? Uh, from the last dance, I, just, I take a lot of Jordan's uh, competitiveness, man, his toughness and stuff. You know, I watched a lot when he just took stuff and he put a whole different spin to it. You know, he hate losing his swagger, his character. Uh, if, if you outscored him the next game, he made it his job to outdo you. So, you know, I'm a guy that we talk a lot about just being competitive. So I like the dog he had in him. I'm trying to get my guys to be like, hey, you have to be the best player on the floor at all times. And I took that watching Jordan. I was like, this dude don't back down for nobody. You can talk all you want to talk. He's coming to prove a point, And that's how I want my players to be. Appreciate it. Um, Joe Tucker, favorite or most favorite moment from uh, – the Last Dance documentary. Oh, yeah, we got the sponsor. Oh, shit. shoot, we got a sponsor. <laughs> nah, I'm going to start a pot a little bit with this one, man. I think that, uh, man, I think that Mike is the GOAT, the current GOAT. I'm a big fan of Michael Jordan. I call him Big Mike. All respect to Big Mike. But I really think it's an indictment on, you know, who the Bulls were. I, I, My debate right now is 
And Mike didn't play nobody. He didn't. When you compare him and you compare LeBron James, and I know that's, I hate that the conversation always goes to that, but he played one-star teams, man. He played an old Lakers team. He played a one-star Trailblazers team with Clyde Drexler. He played a two-star Utah Jazz team with Carl Malone and John Stockton. He played a one-star, you know, uh, Phoenix Suns team. So when you look back and you look at the competition, you see that Magic was old. They didn't have a, the, the same roster that they had. And and I just think that, you know, he didn't he didn't play the teams that LeBron played. He didn't play as talented the teams uh, as, as some of the teams play now. There were, there were no Golden States. There were no San Antonio Spurs dynasties. Uh, he just played some, you know, I, I just think the league wasn't as good then. And I know some people are going to hate it, but but just look at the back. So uh, I'm going to start a pot a little bit with that one. I think it was a little indictment on the on the competition, the level of competition he played. Mike retired. He said he, he, he wasn't intrigued by the game. Nobody was – it wasn't fun for him. If the game not fun for you, that's because he wasn't playing nobody. So uh, I think it's an indictment on some of those guys and some of the level of the uh, competition that they were playing. And I know I received some hate for it. I'm ready for it. It's all good. So, Joe Tucker – you're saying that you're penalizing MJ for the time that he played in the league that nobody w matched his standards and because he was so dominant that he made the competition look like nothing no. like the competition that's played today? No, no, not not a, you know, I can't, I'm not knocking him. We just keeping it real. He didn't, you know, he didn't play as good of players. And I'm not knocking, the, you know, who he was or, or, or who he played. But he just, he didn't play a, a whole lot of all-time greats. Carl Malone is an all-time great. He's top 10 at his position. Top five at his position, I'm sorry. Um, but, but Mike, I mean, LeBron at this point, he's playing guys greatest ever. Steph Curry is, is the greatest shooter of all time. And I think people would agree with that. When Kevin Durant is finished playing basketball, he's going to be one of the greatest to ever lace him up. He could be the greatest scorer the game has ever seen. When Kawhi Leonard finishes his career, he's going to go down as one of the top five power forwards ever. You know, these guys are these guys are once in generation. Tim Duncan is the best power forward, arguably the best power forward in a game ever. Uh, Dirk Nowitzki is the top five power forward in his position ever. I mean, all the I mean, numbers don't lie, man. I, I'm a I'm a big fan of the game. And I'm a I'm a real debater. So when people come to me, they better have their stats correct. They better be ready to go because I'm serious about it. I, I do my homework too. I, I'm well studied. So, um, you know, that that that's that was that's what I took from you know. Obviously, I was a big fan of the game, so I, I already knew a lot of the stuff about the last dance. But that's what I took from it. Though that Laker team was old. The teams weren't that good. Mike, Mike was great, but but Mike, I can't question Mike's greatness. But was Mike so great, or was his competition? just not as good. I don't know. I right, appreciate that, Joe Tucker. We're going to have to invite uh, Joe Tucker back on for, uh, you know, the stat segment of greatest players ever. Um, because uh, I, I think uh, when Coach uh, Sharif Chambliss was on, he talked about stats. I think we're going to have a great debate in a couple weeks when we bring a lot of, a lot of coaches and players back uh coach bennett most favorite moment uh from the last dad's documentary i don't know if there was one i i was sitting there when i was watching it and texting with our buddies and all that i just think it was kind of nostalgic watching it that was i was they kept telling our kids like i know the way you guys watch lebron that was kind of how we watched jordan and it was funny like watching the famous uh fluke game watching all these different moments and I was sitting there going I remember where I was watching that 
Uh, I was at Badger basketball camp in the 90 degree basement with 200 kids watching it when he hit the shot on Utah. Um, so for me, it was just kind of a trip down memory lane, kind of the whole thing going, man, I can remember and kind of place where I was during these moments. Cause, um, uh, yeah, the debate, Joe, that's, that's a great debate. I'll, I'll go against you. I do think Michael's <laughs> the best ever. I'll go against you, but I respect your opinion. But for me, um, I always felt there just was something different about watching Jordan, just the way he carried himself, just like Trey said, like his demeanor, just that instinctive competitiveness. It, you were just so drawn to watching him at all times. And, uh, you know, for, for those 10 episodes, it was just such a neat uh, trip down memory lane for my middle school and high school years. So it was just neat kind of reminiscing about that. Thanks for that, Coach Benny. Uh, Coach Ball, uh, most favorite moment from watching The Last Dance? You know, well, first of all, you know, MJ is is the GOAT, and I think he's the, the one of the greatest of all time, and, and one that, you know, the other one that doesn't get uh, the mention is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who changed the game in so many different ways. Uh, but MJ is definitely the GOAT. You know, when you talk, up, talk about each and every night that uh, somebody was coming after your head, uh, you know, when you think about the Detroit Pistons and what they were doing, to him, they had the Jordan rules, you know, where anytime he stepped foot in the lane, uh, you know, they they tried to cripple him, and and he had to take it, and he was doing this with a with a young Scottie Pippen, um, who wasn't ready yet. He was doing it with a young Horace Grant, who wasn't ready yet, and you know the the only better he had some veterans on the team that weren't up to, you know, up to up to par uh, from the championship level, so they're. He played against the, the Dallas Mavericks and he won against the Dallas Mavericks. I'm trying to think who was on that team other than Dirk Nowitzki, uh, who was on that team. Jason Terry. All the fame, Jason Kidd. Jason Terry absolutely outplayed LeBron. LeBron didn't want the ball at the end of the game. He didn't want to take last shots. If, if you think about LeBron James and, and the way that, you know, that he, that if you talk about what Mike did, Mike wanted the ball at every single moment at the end of games. The only time LeBron James ever takes game-winning shots is if he's up one or two or they're tied up. Never does he take a game-winning shot when he's down two or down three. Let's mark it. Uh, let's look at it. Facts wouldn't back that up, Coach. I'm sorry. Facts would not back that up. Uh, but not in finals. You can you can find that in the first or second round when, he, when he'll do that. Uh, the other side of that is what I loved about Mike and, and the last dance is just what I just mentioned is just every single night somebody was coming at at his head and um, and he had to do it for 82 straight games and then he had to bring it in the playoffs as well um, you know just a relentless pursuit of, of excellence that he that he carried with him from from the time he stepped out into the into the league to the time he left um, and in my opinion nobody could could match it and whether they were whether they were good or bad, they were physical. They went after him. He took a beating, and he just kept on going every single night. Excellent. Uh, thanks for that all around. Um, Coach Trey Allen, last remarks that we're going to have from each one of you. Uh, what's some advice that you give to players that are looking to play at the next level, as well as their parents? Uh, I start with the players first. Uh, please.
please, please, please understand being a student athlete. See too many kids that have the talent to play at the next level, but they don't execute what they're supposed to do in the classroom. So please, please, please be a student athlete, student first. Uh, another thing, continue to work. See a lot of kids come in playing great and ranked and blah, 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 but then they don't get better as they progress through school. So continue to work, continue to learn. Uh, don't be afraid to ask questions. Play hard, play smart, and most important to me, man, have fun. I think someone mentioned earlier, man, if you're not having fun, you know, you lose interest in the game, so continue to have fun. And for parents, um, I would just say, man, continue to be a parent. Understand your role, you know, motivate your kids, guide your kids. Uh, don't force your kids to be athletes, you know. Maybe that's not what they really want to do. So parents, you know, be a parent, be the support for the kids, but uh, don't force them to do anything. Thanks for that, Coach Allen. Uh, Joel, what's some advice you give to a players and parents? Um, for the players, I would say, man, use sports as a vehicle. And again, a lot of these terms are terms that everyone in the basketball community, everyone in the sports community kind of hear over and over. But you really want to use your sport as a vehicle and you don't want to let your sport use you. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, as you're coming up, as you're playing a sport, um, as you're traveling, as you're meeting people, man, make build the relationships, you know, everybody, you know, as we're older now, we know life is all about relationships. As we talked about BMO, for you to call me, man, this is nothing. You my homeboy, you my brother for life. You call me, you say get on a podcast. I say it's nothing because that, you know, that's the relationship we built. Um, but yeah, you know, live in the moment, enjoy the moment, man, snap pictures, man, and enjoy yourself. And like I was saying before, you gotta, why you a child, be a child, man. Why you a kid, be a kid before you get all these bills that all us adults have, man, enjoy that freedom, man. Enjoy it. Enjoy that part of your life because you know, you always have a chance to, you know, get older and then really just work on your game, man. And be honest with yourself. If you, if you say you want to be a pro, then, you know, and obviously it's, it's so many levels. If you say you want to play at the varsity level, you got to work on your game, man. You can't show up to camp and come to these coaches, the, the guys in this chat that are high school coaches. You say you want to be on a varsity team or you want to make the freshman team or the JV team, and you ain't worked out all year. When you come to play for us or you come to practice, I can see you haven't gotten better from freshman year to sophomore year. So you can't tell me you wanted to play, and all you did was play video games and went to the mall all summer. And then for the parents, man, I would say, uh, you know, uh, be involved in your kids' lives, and, and that goes for school parent-teacher conference. I don't even know if they do parent-teacher conference anymore, but really be involved in your kid's life from the academic side to, you know, to the, to the, to the athletic side. I, I would say I came up in a two, two parent home. And, and like I said, again, I tell people all the time, I'm 37, man, I'm older now. And I still remember these things, man. My pops made to, he came to all my events, man. I used to play baseball and I remember we played baseball one year. It was a, it was a summer, it was a hundred degrees almost every day we played baseball and my pops would be sitting in the stands. And now, you know, now that we older, and we still talk about that. Those are memories that I, I have with him forever. Um, and, and, and he always supported me through everything. And, and that goes a long way uh, for me as a as a young dad. Now I look back, all I know how to do is be a good dad and be there for my son because that's what my dad was to me. So be there for your kids, man. Give them the, try to give them the best environment to learn, to live, all that type of stuff. And do your job as a parent, man. You know, and, and, and that's about it. Appreciate that, Joel Tucker. Uh, Coach Bennett, Nick Bennett. What advice you give to, to players as well as parents? Yeah, for the players, it's kind of a two-pronged thing. And the first one, I know Trey mentioned it. First thing I tell our kids, forget rankings. <laughs> forget what you're ranked at the beginning of the year 
I, 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 my head is ready to explode. When I see these things, the best fifth graders around, I'm going, who the heck is scouting every fifth grader in the country? Like, who has time to, to watch every fifth grader and tell me who the best? I always tell kids, forget rankings. In 20 years, no one's going to remember what you were ranked when you were a fifth grader. And I always tell our guys, when we start the year, I go, who is ranked number one, two, and three in the state at the beginning of the last year? And they all go, I don't know. And I always tell kids, well, who won state? They can name that right away. I said, concentrate on what matters. It's the end goal. It's the journey. It's the process. I said, forget all the preseason, all the rankings that no one's going to remember in a few months. And the second thing, if they are serious about it, I said, if you are going to be serious about it, you're going to have to find a way to get better. And uh, another adage I stole from my cousin Tony, he always tells his kids um, in his end-of-the-year evaluation, um, if a kid is a junior and he's getting ready to be a senior, and he said, if the senior version of yourself can't dominate and kick the junior version of yourself's butt in a game of one-on-one, you didn't do a whole lot this offseason. Mm. Um, and I think that's a pretty good way to put it to kids. Forget yeah. about comparing yourselves to the next kid over. For a kid that goes to Sussex Hamilton, if you're going to compare yourself to Patrick Baldwin Jr., well, you're, you're probably fighting an uphill battle, to be quite honest. Okay. He's at a different level. So he always talks about concentrate on you, concentrate on did you personally get better to where you are a better version of you in the upcoming season. And I think it's a pretty good way of putting it. And the last thing, Joe and uh, I love I love what Joe had said about parents being involved and being there. And, and Trey obviously said it. it's really simple. Enjoy the moment for your kids, but remember, let them be kids. It is their time. Don't try to live vicariously through them. Let them do who they are, let them fail, but please just let them be kids and let them enjoy their moment. So uh, it's a lot simpler for them. Thanks for that, Coach Bennett. Great little closing words. Uh, Coach Baldwin, any advice you give to, to players and parents looking to play at the next level? Yeah, one of the, the models that I've always sorry about that. Uh, one of the models I've always used uh, when I started teaching camps and, and working camps and doing things like that is, is um, you know, if you can pass, you can play. And, and that, you know, that, that goes for me on the court and it goes for me in the classroom as well. So when I'm talking to, to younger kids or parents of, of younger kids, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm telling them. If you can pass, you can play. Um, it, it, obviously, if you can pass on the court, it makes the game a lot easier. Uh, if you're young, you're probably going to get on the court a lot, a lot quicker too because you're probably going to have, have some really good players that you're playing with. You know, so they would want you to be able to pass the basketball. Um, and, you know, then as, as far as the academics are concerned and, and, and getting your education, um, you know, you want to be able to control your own destiny from that standpoint. You know, so you, you want to be able to tell a school no and not have the school tell you no. You know, so you want to make sure that, that you're passing, you're doing everything you can in order to be successful. The other thing I would tell, you know, young players is, um, you know, the, the biggest thing is you – we always talk about proving people wrong. Uh, I started really saying, let, let's start proving the people that, that really believe in, in us right. Let's exactly. prove them right. Yes. Uh, not worry about who's, who's your critic, um, who's downing your game or whatever it is, but prove the people who really care about, about you right. You know, that's, that's what I've been, you know, telling a lot of young kids now. You know, and there's some kids in the Milwaukee area, like you talked about Coach Bennett, that, that care about the rankings. Don't don't worry about the rankings. Prove 
who care about you right and, and things will work out well. Uh, the last thing I'll say with parents is just let your, your kid grow at the, at the rate that they're supposed to. Um, you know, somebody told me, and it's it's not a secret that, you know, would you rather cook a, a steak in the microwave or in the oven? Um, and, you know, you know, so for me, you know, if, if you're a parent, make sure that, that you're taking care of your, your son or your daughter. Make sure that they're doing the right things. Um, and, you know, like you said, and Joyce said it, if they want to play, it's going to come out that, that they're going to be either good or they're going to want it or, or whatever it is. Um, if they don't want to do it, um, or if it takes a little bit of time, you know, let that happen. You know, let that, that let that time happen, and and I, I think those kids will be happier from that standpoint. Thanks for that, Coach Baldwin. Um, any of our bench players, do you guys have any closing remarks, any takeaways that you guys want to close out this segment with? Coach Coach Shoshi, go ahead. I want to thank all you guys coming on. You know, for me, having the personal relationship with Trey and Nick, you know, going way back and, you know, uh, seeing Joel around the way a couple of times hooping uh, and Coach Baldwin, obviously, out on the recruiting trail. I just, I, I appreciate you guys coming on and, and I love hearing everything. I, you know, I took away something from each of you guys. So thank you. That's really my closing remarks. I really enjoyed this um, and really enjoyed the time with you guys. So. It's good to see. I'm hoping, uh, hoping we get everybody back. We will have to debate that Bulls statement, Joel. We have to talk about that a little bit uh, at some point in time. But, but I appreciate you guys. Thanks for that, Coach Shoshu. Uh Coach Johnny Atkins. Uh, it's been brought up before, you know, about the, the relationships. You know, obviously, uh, obviously, I appreciate my relationship with you guys that I get to be on this, that I get to talk to and most importantly listen to these successful coaches and players and you know looking at it from a kid's standpoint if you're lucky enough to go to a camp where you have you know predominant players there predominant coaches speaking to you or whatever you know just take that and put it in the back pocket take what they're giving to you and appreciate that experience and take it with you as you move forward so relationships experience it all paves the way for the big picture and appreciate those positives on the way Thank you for that, Coach Atkins. Uh, Coach Tanisaw. No, just echo what they said. I appreciate you guys. Um, Coach Allen, I'm going to need the Horlick film next winter. And uh, Coach Baldwin, I'm going to have to come observe a couple practices before we play St. Catharines and St. Joe's, if that's all right with you. <laughs> Perfect with me. <laughs> all right. Thanks for that, Coach Tanisaw. Coach Leach. Hey, Brandon, thanks for putting this group together. I've been sitting here. I couldn't type notes fast enough, especially in that last uh, round robin with everybody. Uh, this was awesome for me to uh, take some things away, and, and certain certainly I have notes that uh, I'm going to use next year. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Excellent, excellent, excellent. All around uh, great tips, some golden nuggets for all of our listeners, um, and, and a takeaway that I, I continue uh, to repeat is that relationships matter uh, and basketball is by far the greatest game ever created uh, because that's what allowed these relationships to happen um, uh, and we're also thankful for COVID-19 uh, trying to look at the positive from the negative as well as uh, we're thankful for the last dance because that's what started 
uh, uh, this podcast with, with, with the bench players originally talking about the last dance and then trying to incorporate other basketball voices like yourselves. So uh, we are humbly grateful for you guys joining us tonight and just sharing the tips with, with all of our listeners. Uh, so thank you all again. Um, okay. Yeah. Before we get out of here, Brandon, I got a trivia question for everybody, man. For one, y'all are rock stars, man. It's 11:30, and I want to know the over/under of when this group would be sleep. I'm gonna be sleeping under 10 minutes. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I will say, uh, for the bench players, they usually stay up for about another hour because we talk after this and debrief. But uh, usually the starters. They, 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 they report back the next day and say they were out like light in, in, in five minutes or less. <laughs> so, uh, again, appreciate you guys. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, greatly appreciate it. When you hear the playoff music, NBA on NBC, you know it's go time. Signing off. You can be my podcast. Much love.